I just need time to heal, to figure things out for myself. I'm, I'm actually moving to Paris. There's a great opportunity that's opened up. I can't turn this down, Bruce. I can't stay put, you know that, don't you? Bruce, are you even listening to me? Bruce, just tell me you understand. Please, say it. How much do you trust your team, Black Canary? A carrion crow sat on an oak. To bed, to bed, says Sleepyhead. There's a neat little clock. Dear, dear, what can the matter be? To answer your question, I trust my team completely because we just caught you. <laughs> you expect me to believe you haven't seen it? It's a truth. The Godfather, Marlon Brando, it's a classic, Dick. Wow, I don't know if I can allow this. Tell you what, when things slow down, we'll find an old theater and watch it on the big screen. Heck, we'll make it a regular thing. There's tons of movies I haven't seen. Come on, don't do that. Don't do what? I thought we knew what this was, Dick. We do? The answers in the heart of the circus? Once you figure out who paid Psycho to kill Mr. Haley, you'll leave and go back to your life. And I'll go back to mine. So let's not pretend this is something more than it really is, Dick. Let's just enjoy it for what it is. You're a mess, you know? Yeah. Fought this tough redhead chick. She beat the crap out of me. She sounds wonderful. Nightwing, I need you to understand. I need to do this alone. Alone. I can't see how we can ever be... be friends if you don't do this for me. It doesn't mean I don't uh, care about you. Fine. You're alone, Batgirl. You're all alone. Oh, Maggie. Why did you stand me up? You could have called. I did. And some girl answered. Is she why I stood outside Ignition for two hours? That was my cousin. Then tell me what's really going on. Look at me, Kate. I can't. Oh, Kate. You are beautiful, Maggie. Boat sinking our... Shh. Don't worry. I've got you. Thought I almost lost you there, boy. Takes more than a nobody to... Like that to get rid of me. Did you think I betrayed you, father? Not for a second. Well, maybe just a second. This isn't the first time. Usually it's because I want him. Tonight, I think it's because I need him. Every time he protests. Then, he gives in. And he seems angry. But that doesn't slow either of us down. Still, it doesn't take long. And most of the costumes stay on. to the Batman Universe Specials, and uh, today we are bringing you a very special special, and uh, besides me introducing, Stella will be running everything. Um, she has put together something based off of her series of articles that she's been doing on the website for quite some time now. Um, so joining us today is myself. And this is Donovan. This is Melinda. 
This is Stella. This is John. And this is Ed. And we are going to give you a unique special for the Valentine's Day season. Um, And with that, I'm just going to throw it straight over to Stella and she can tell you what we're going to do today. Yes, finally my dreams have come true and Batgirl to Oracle is taking over the Batman universe. God, Nat. It's true, people. (laughs) Well, I know from his deep voice and his brooding demeanor, you may think Dustin, a.k.a. Batman, does not have time for warm, feel-good feelings. But I'm here to tell you that just like the Grinch, after he saved Whoville's Christmas, Dustin's heart is larger, I think, than anyone else's here. And he's graciously allowed me to take over uh, the Batman universe for this one episode and have a shipper spotlight special uh, in association with Batgirl. So you may be wondering why the heck we're doing this. Why is it even worthwhile? Why should I be spending my precious time listening to this? You know, besides it being Valentine's Day and it's never been done on TBU before. And I wholeheartedly believe that for an ongoing comic to be considered the best and just a fun read, there has to be a great cast of characters. And I think that they need to have relationships that are worth while. And if you've been following my Shipper Spotlight articles, you know that I mean both romantic, familial, and team relationships. Uh, so not always, you know, kissy, kissy, love, love, you know, that kind of stuff. But it, it's about deeper relationships as well. And I believe there's perhaps no other group of characters out there that has quite a close connection to each as a Bat family because it really is a family in every sense of the word. So join us as we examine the relationship seen in the Bat books over the past year and a half. Uh, So for your listening pleasure, this is the Batman Universe Shipper Spotlight Special, and I've named it the Past, Present, and Future of Love. So we're sort of tackling each of these parts. So we're going to begin with the past, uh, which I think is really fitting since Dustin loves the history of things. (laughs) So we're just going to start right off. And while we were getting this planned and everything, each of the people that are on here, they, they picked a particular couple uh, that's sort of their favorite. So this is the past part of everything. So we can just go in order that we spoke, but what is the couple that you chose? Why is it your favorite? And why do you think it has withstood the test of time if it has, in fact, on that? Well, my uh, favorite relationship as far as the past goes would have to be Bruce and Talia al Ghul. Um, I wouldn't say necessarily it's the best relationship that Batman has ever had, um, because there's because it's in more senses than probably any other relationship Bruce has. It's more of a love and hate relationship, where obviously they do have a child, uh, Damien, and obviously um, th- they're currently at odds right now, but they have found each other to be, I guess... What's the best word I'm looking for? I guess the, the the best thing is that they have found each other to... Let's just put it this way, okay? Batman doesn't seem the type of guy who is going to reveal his identity to people, much less um, sleep with random people when he is actually Batman. And <laughs> as the story goes with Talia and Batman, Batman didn't reveal his identity, but... Uh, had some relations with Talia while he was still wearing his bat cowl. Now, obviously, that's not the first or the last time that this has happened um, in the comics, as we've seen in <clears throat> Catwoman more recently. But uh, nonetheless, um, even though Talia's intentions were not what Bruce th- knew, um, Damien did spawn out of that, and I think the relationship between Damien and Bruce 
has been very strong um, since it was revealed that Bruce was his father. Um, and the two of them, I I don't know. It's I guess I'm looking at it from the perspective of maybe not, maybe it's not the best relationship in the world because it is such a love and hate relationship. But at the same time, something very, very good has come from the relationship, even if it wasn't known by both parties that it was going to happen. Um, Damien did come from that, and ultimately Damien, I think, is a good thing for Bruce Wayne. So I think in the, 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 the loosest terms of a relationship between Bruce and Talia, I think theirs are the best because it spawned probably one of the best things for Bruce Wayne. I guess I'll go next. Uh, <laughs> um, I am going to be bringing up the relationship in quotes between Tim Drake and Cassandra Kane. Um, this is not as concrete in the canon as Bruce and Batman and Talia were, was, but, uh, it, it, they do have a relationship, which a lot of fans, uh, kind of hoped we'd coalesce into more romantic. And, um, I, I consider it to be romantic in a kind of subtle, well, they won't take sort of a sense. Uh, their relationship is, is a peculiar one that's not really brought up often, but whenever the two characters do interact, it is particular. Um, they first really had a, a, a real introduction to each other. I think they met back in No Man's Land, but Batgirl Volume 1, Number 25, was when uh, it was established that Tim was sort of freaked out by Cassandra, how she was sort of raised as a killer and really efficient at, at fighting. But by the end of that issue, they became friends. Um, there's really not much about that until... Batgirl number 45 when for some reason Cassandra Kane runs around in Barbara Gordon's costume and she runs into Robin who uh, for somebody like Tim Drake who's usually calm and reserved and you know cool and you know, cool head and everything he's, he's rather flustered physically about how Cassandra looks in that costume uh, which it was rare to see Tim Drake that sort of you know kind of uh, hormone driven but he was so that's, that's that um, there's more this sort of that sort of starts a bit of a, a sexual tension between the two of them. That sort of goes into uh, the one year later storyline during um, during uh, Robin's comic, where Cassandra Kane, for bad writing and um, my control reasons, was basically a bad guy and set him up, and she actually had him try to kill her father, David Kane, basically coming on to him very strongly. Sort of, sort of, she wanted him to, out of all the people in the Bat family to join her side. So there's. They don't, they don't really ever get too physical, although there's a lot of flirting going on between them in that series and then later on in the relaunched Teen Titans series by Jeff Johns. Um, and once that was retconned and she was back on the side of the Angels, we see them pair up in Red Robin, where Tim asks, uh, by that time, Stephanie Brown is Batgirl, and Tim goes to see if she wants a, her old costume back, but she doesn't. But uh, we do see Cassandra later on when Tim's virginity is at stake. In Red Robin number 24, I believe. Oh, that's at the end of 24 and starts at the beginning of 25, where we see Cassandra save him. Um, it seems like that where the two of them kind of rely on each other. Tim has a relationship with Bruce, obviously, and Dick Grayson. But Cassandra Kane always seems to come up in these little wacky situations. They also had a, uh, a four-part crossover story between Robin and Batgirl when they both went to Bloodhaven after the events of War Games. And that was sort of like the... Like the, like the like uh like the for lack of a better phrase climax of the relationship in that they were sort of pitted against each other in a fight for the penguins amusement and it was sort of a fake fight to sort of get the penguins uh trust but it was also sort of them to kind of deal with their feelings together and there was also some tension 
uh, ones they were sort of talking about their upbringing and their personal backgrounds and how each other, how they see each other and respect each other. And in Cassandra's mind, she was really admiring Tim for what he had gone through. He had recently lost his father, and they thought Stephanie was dead. And it's sort of a reading in between the lines relationship with the two of them. It's not really explicit. It's not really in between or in the in the the dialogue, but it is very much in the art. So much that is carried over every time they're they're done together. The last time we see the two together is at the end of Gates of Gotham, where Cassandra says she always liked being around Gotham City, and. Um, it's a, it's, a, it's sort of a nice relationship that I, I would like to see uh, kind of develop further because I think the two would work together well. They're, they're good opposites of each other, and barring that Cassandra Cain ever shows up again or is shown to have ever existed, <laughs> I think it works rather well. I think it's a rather unique relationship that kind of comes, comes and goes every now and then. So I chose Tim Drake and Stephanie Brown uh, as my favorite relationship. Uh, it started out as a really antagonistic relationship back in Detective Comics, the very infamous bricking. Um, And I think given their ages at the time, it was a fairly realistic relationship and sort of attitudes toward each other other for teens. Um, Between the two of them, they covered a lot of issues that were and still are important to teens, uh, teen pregnancy, familial issues, the idea of loss, things like that, and the importance of trust with each other. Um, they truly, really did understand each other's worlds. She ha- was the daughter of a supervillain. He was, you know, the sidekick of a superhero. So they they did understand the risks of the world that they were in together. Um, now, they they started off, you know, he was with Ariana at the time, and he kind of dealt with some guilt because he really felt like he was being emotionally unfaithful to her, and he ended up breaking up with her. Uh, around uh, the 50s issues so that he could get together with Stephanie Brown. He clearly did care a lot about her. He created an entirely different identity to go to birth classes with her and go to Lamaze classes with her. He got the Flash to run him back to Gotham out of Keystone City to go be with her for the birth of a child that she wasn't going to keep because he knew that she needed him at that point. Um, He after the events of, I believe it was War Games, after her death, he left um, Gotham to go to Bloodhaven with Cassandra Kane, um, and partially because he couldn't deal with what was going on there. And he reacted extremely strongly when he thought someone else was dishonoring her by wearing her costume toward the end of his run when she was revealed to have not been dead the entire time and at the end of... Um, the Robin series, and they did actually team up in Red Robin for two issues. It wasn't a huge thing, but it was it was a chance to see them together again, you know, as he was also dealing with the death of his mentor. So I chose them because I felt like that was a relationship that really formed him as a character and to some extent formed her as a character as well. I'm slightly sad that Josh isn't here because <laughs> he it would be interesting to have someone go up against me uh, with this relationship. But I'm sure many of you will guess that uh, Dick and Babs is is my favorite shipper. Um, probably across the board, the only thing that comes close to it is Hawkgirl and uh, John Stewart from the Justice League animated series. But I, I think what makes the relationship between these two great is the fact that they weren't even friends first. Uh, I mean, he was just you know. 
little kid and, and she was an older librarian when it all started and they were just mere acquaintances and we, perhaps we could uh, call them rivals for a short time. But later they started teaming up and really in the Batman Family series in the 70s, uh, they really became friends. Uh, even though Babs was a congresswoman at the time during the 70s and Dick was going to Hudson U at the time. They were able to meet up in their street clothes on occasion once they both learned their respective IDs. And this relationship, or this friendship really, only grew throughout the late 80s and 90s uh, while Badass was Oracle. And I think at that point, once they were both really, you could really consider them adults, there was always sort of a flirtation between the two. And you can kind of see it a little bit in the 70s anyways. There was that infamous kiss that um, raised a thousand angry letters to uh, the Bat offices in Batman Family Number 1. And um, I think it was Batman Family Number 9 or so. She was sleeping on a couch and he's sort of saying, you know, I love you like a sister and a friend and maybe, but she's sleeping so she never hears it. Uh, but then finally, you know, No Man's Land, I think, was the push that brought them together finally. And, of course, there's a little controversy there because he was with Babs at one point and then he kisses uh, Helena on New Year's. So let's not speak of that. <laughs> but but after that, you know, they were together and they had their ups and downs for sure. But, you know, Babs seemed to always have sort of a particular issue um, really getting past the fact that she was in the wheelchair. And Dick was perhaps the only person that helped her see that she was more than just, you know, this chair, uh, which I thought, I think he's really the only person that was able to do that. And he stood by her the entire time. So I think they're meant to be because they have such a strong connection based on a strong foundational friendship. There was a love and a mutual respect that was already there. So they didn't run into romance right away. Babs treated Dick more like an adult, uh, off right off the bat you know even when he was still wearing the robin costume and dick stayed even when babs turned hateful uh towards anyone she just would get angry a lot when she was oracle uh, really because of the hate that she felt for herself they're consistently in each other's lives you know even when the other may have a significant other and they will each i think always hold on to that flame that they have for each other even when they're not together and while they may have relationships with other people while they're still wearing the cowl uh, i think neither of them are really going to turn out like bruce and always wear the cowl i think when it's time to retire they really are going to sort of set it aside and i feel like when that happens that these two are going to find each other for the last time so it's it's really the one relationship in the bad family that i will just bet everything on wholeheartedly and i love it absolutely and it's the one that i'm hoping for a happy ending whenever that is uh, if you haven't noticed a thing i'm going to uh pick tim and tam fox as my relationship Tam Fox has kind of been around, she's kind of been around the comics and she's made a couple of appearances, but she really came into her own in Red Robin and she's introduced in Red Robin 3 where she's sent by her father, Lucius Fox, to find Tim who's disappeared off hunting Batman because he's determined to believe that Batman's still alive. They find each other, she discovers him and brings him back, basically back to Gotham and um, and Vicky Vale, who at the time was trying to connect all the dots between the Bat family and people like Bruce Wayne, uh, questions Tim. And to throw her off, they should, Tam Fox basically says that her and Tim are engaged. And so starts a massive charade, which inevitably ends up with them starting a relationship. And the reason that I kind of really 
identify with this relationship, it, even though it's kind of questionable whether it's still in continuity or not, is because it it's a feels like a proper relationship. Tam is is very much on Tim's intellectual level. They share the same sense of humour, and they both kind of share each other's mental outlook on life. And in a lot of ways, Tam manages to keep Tim being Tim and sort of prevents him from becoming Bruce, which is kind of what a lot of the second half of Red Robin is about. Um, But also she's very capable of handling herself as well in situations. She stabs Spider-Man. I don't know his name. I'm going to call him Spider-Man because I like the idea of someone stabbing Um, (laughs) Spider-Man. They... They, they, you know, they they work together and they share adventures. And she's not a dumb sidekick. Like I said, they're very intelligent together, and it feels like a very realistic relationship. And I, I hoped it would go further, but it, obviously, with the cancellation and the reboot, it never did. My uh, my relationship that I chose to talk about today was the one between Bruce Wayne and Selena Kyle, and I think it's always been. The most interesting one to me because it dates all the way back to a very early Batman history. And throughout the length of their extremely complicated relationship, we've seen them as adversaries. We've seen them as friends. We've seen them in another continuity where they had a, a daughter, Huntress, who has become a part of regular continuity, continuity now. I also thought it was very telling that when Frank Miller rebooted Batman's Origins with Year One, the other character that he really chose to focus on was Selena Kyle and make sure that she had an updated origin to go along with Batman's, which I think really speaks to how involved she's been with the character's development over the years. She's also featured in some of my favorite stories through the years, like Long Halloween, Dark Victory, and Hush. I also think she's the most identifiable relationship in the Batman universe for, for a casual reader, someone who doesn't you know get in depth as a lot of things that, that we all do. Um, so I, I just think that she's been the most identifiable. I think they've had the longest relationship and the most complicated one, and uh, that's why it's my favorite. So there's there's the history section, basically us laying out our, our hearts and our souls as to which couple we love the most. And even Dustin said one, so it's true that he is a shipper, even though he'll <laughs> – He'll say otherwise. But now probably the most time is going to be spent here on uh, the present section. And it's really just going through several of the Bat Family books and looking at some of the relationships that have popped up and talking about how they played out, whether they're significant. Could they go forward? Could we see them lasting a long time? What they added to the Bat character and we'll come upon, you know, Batman and Catwoman there. Can we compare these to uh, a pre-existing, pre-new 52 relationship, and how does it compare there? So, of course, we've got to start off with Batman, I think. And the relationships that have popped up have been in uh, the main books, uh, mostly Detective Comics and The Dark Knight, because in Batman he's sort of been doing uh, other things, and he's been very busy. So the first relationship that I think we've really seen was Bruce and Charlotte Rivers, that reporter. And I remember that, you know, they made Whoopi in the office, and he, <laughs> he, took, he, t- he, took her, he took her to Colorado. And I remember thinking about this, like, wow, this seems like a really serious relationship. Relationship because how often does Bruce Wayne actually leave 
Gotham City and take a woman somewhere else because really the Bruce Wayne that I always know or think that I know is someone that probably will never leave Gotham City for too long because he really wants to keep an eye on that city. So I thought, oh, well, this is this is going to be a big relationship. And of course, we see at the end of this, because there are some trials and tribulations mostly associated with Charlotte's sister. In a hospital room, she just decides, you know, she's going to leave and she's going to go elsewhere. And I thought, oh, well, that's the worst ending to a relationship ever. So I thought it started off significant, um, but then it died really quickly. And I feel like it, it had no lasting impact on Bruce Wayne's character at all. And, I mean, really my... Uh, experience with detective wasn't it couldn't have been changed if she wasn't in there at all so what are your thoughts on bruce and charlotte rivers isn't charlotte kind of the the typical five issue love interest for bruce that we've seen over you know the past 30 years and almost every bat title really i mean yeah. i don't really, i mean yeah. I, I really don't think she's anything more than 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 place filler for a couple issues to be honest i completely oh. forgot about her <laughs> I, no, I'm, I'm, going, I'm, going to, I'm going to defend. Um, I, I'm a Tony Daniels fan, um, and I am getting counseled. <laughs> but I think the problem with Charlotte Rivers was Charlotte Rivers, like Stella says, is a very uh, starts off as a very interesting character, and she's one of the very few independent, strong, not stupidly drawn, idiotic women that tend to populate the DC universe. And I think the problem with her character is that Tony Daniels stopped doing detective comics. I know he gets a lot of flack for creating new characters and for picking up threads and dropping threads and throwing things away. But it's clear that he had a plan with Charlotte. And there was a lot of stuff in there that, that suggested that he was going to pick her back up and she was going to come back in. And I think him leaving has done actually done the character a disservice to turn her as ed says into a five issue love interest that we're never going to hear from again i think that's the problem with charlotte she could be a lot more interesting i don't want to turn this into i don't like tony daniels but i don't like tony daniels (laughs) so here here's the thing okay he had 12 issues to do something with her and all we really got from her was she was Bruce Wayne's love interest, and she was having, as Stella put it, whoopee in the office when um, the entire thing was happening with pretty much Bruce having sex in every single book that he had at the time. Um, so, Plus he was dating somebody else or having sex with somebody else in every single book. It was never the same person. Um, but the, the interesting thing is he had 12 issues and really to me the only reason why that character was in the book was so that she could have the sister who had the ties to the penguin so that it would all just you know coincide as somewhat tried to make sense in my opinion there was no point to this character um, it was there needed to be a love interest and Tony Daniel decided that he wanted to tie the love interest to the character uh, that was the assistant for Penguin by making them sisters. There was really no real purpose to that character. Um, there's Obviously, we're going to talk about some of these other ones, but it's the same thing as the character, uh, that that Natasha character that popped up in the whole Scarecrow story in Batman the Dark Knight recently. There's She's just there. It's just, you know, the typical Bruce is dating some random girl thing, similar to the way... 
the the uh, Julie, uh, what's her face? Uh, Ellie McPherson. Was, Julie Madison. No, Ellie McPherson was played. Uh, Ellie McPherson played Julie Madison in Batman and Robin. Um, Batman and Robin. How she was just basically like arm candy for Bruce Wayne, and that was the that was pretty much the extent of it. I think, I think a big part of it is that it, they're hesitant to use Catwoman as his love interest in these books because she has her own title right now. So they have to create these, you know, five-issue love interests. And no one is really collaborating on it, so we're getting a different one in every, in every story. Well, back when, um, back during the, uh, the Frederick Wortham Wars, during the Senate hearings in the Silver Age, when um, comics were being maligned as, you know, destructive for children and Seduction of the Innocent came out, where Dr. Frederick Wortham, psychologist extraordinaire, said, hey, Batman and Robin are gay, so gay. Um, <laughs> they, 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 they introduced um, Batwoman, obviously, as, as his, you know, counterpart to sort of, you know, put those aside. And I mean that was after like he had Love Edge. He had Julia Madison and Linda Page in the Golden Age, but to me that was like one of the more most naked attempts to sort of like like put force a love interest in the books. And I'm reminded about that a lot with the introduction of uh these three we're gonna talk about here. And in, in like when the New Fifty Two started with uh, Natalia and, and Charlotte and um and uh not well kinda Jay, although she was a she was a super villain as well. So, I mean, I kind of side with Dustin in that, like, she was ultimately pointless because, yeah, she was a strong, independent female, whatever. I don't, she was sort of like an archetype, and there wasn't really much to take from her besides the fact that her, her sister was a supervillain, and we never saw her again. I mean, she kind of, like, said, oh, Bruce visited her in the hospital, and she says, oh, by the way, Bruce, I'm, I'm leaving and moving to France. I'm just telling you this now. Bye. And, I mean, I'm not going to pretend to get mad over that because I didn't really care. So, um... She was pretty look at with Tony Daniel's art, but that's essentially it. And I legitimately forgot about her until the, until this very moment. This very much. I guess I just thought that you know, being the first woman that you introduce in the number one issue, in sort of a relaunch of of this great universe, I just thought, well, this probably should be uh, an impactful relationship. Um, and it seemed like it was going there for a little bit, but I think that end just sort of. Uh, well- if you look at it, it was it was impactful in the fact that, you know, well, Bruce, it, it just showed Bruce, it, instead of just, okay, instead of just being the typical, I'm just going to sleep with some random chick and she's going to be arm candy, Tony Daniel attempted to make her impactful by having her sister be the assistant to Penguin, who at the time, Bruce just happened to be fighting as Batman. That was the, the level of impact, in my opinion. Well, I was just going to say it's something that Dustin brought up earlier. When when they first relaunched the books, you had Bruce, you know, having a different woman in every book. And I think as long as they can't get together and have a cohesive one girlfriend to have a meaningful relationship with, if we see Bruce carrying on five different relationships at the same time essentially every month, I think all of them are going to suffer from a little bit of lack of meaning as long as they do that. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, well – I think that Charlotte was at least better than this next relationship, which was Bruce and Jaina Hudson, uh, a.k.a. the White Rabbit from The Dark Knight. And it seemed at the very beginning that uh, the relationship was really going nowhere, and it seemed more just teasing and just getting him to chase her, which was all the character, all her alternate ego, White 
Rabbit was about. Uh, so what are your thoughts on this one? I remember, actually, I do remember, though, hearing Dustin say that this was the most attractive villainess that he had seen drawn on paper for a while. So. Oh, yeah. I do remember that in one of yes. the episodes. <laughs> yes. And I have no problem admitting that was true. I mean, I think David Finch did a very nice job of drawing her and making her a very attractive woman. Um, she was by far the most attractive of the group of women that Bruce was screwing around with at the beginning of the New 52. Um, that being said, that was the the art was probably the only thing that came that was good that came out of that uh, first story arc of Batman the Dark Knight uh, and I'm not even going to bother talking about yeah. her because she was a complete waste of time other than her good looks I, I thought she was vaguely interesting in how there was a connection between her and the, and the White Rabbit but it was that was during the um, David Finch era of the Dark Knight where I don't think anything was planned and she turned into a wonder twin at the end, as I recall, where the White Rabbit turned out to be her kind of like a separate personality or something. So besides that ending, which was in, which was intriguing, there's not much to really say about her besides the fact that um, she was drawn fairly well. As, as There's really a woman in comics that's not drawn well, unless the artist is bad. Yeah, no, she, she, as funny as it is, she might be less in my head than Charlotte Rivers because she was sort of like the person that Bruce was meeting. So we could see Bruce Wayne in the comic and not just Batman 24-7. Yeah. You know, I, I, the, only, the only thing I'd hoped about the White Rabbit character after reading her in The Dark Knight was that, you know, we, it would have a lot of cosplay, you know, at various <laughs> dimensions based on, on that costume. <laughs> but, 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 I mean, it's... it's, oh, it's, it's no it's, such luck. Yeah, no such... memorable. That was the problem. <laughs> yeah. It didn't stick, but you know it's the same thing. I mean, it it's it it a lot of the whole Dark Knight title, and I think the relationship with with the White Rabbit too. It, it the storylines seem like they just fizzled out as opposed to have an ending in that title. And she may have even had a little bit of interesting aspect to her for a couple issues, and then it just kind of fizzled out. She had potential with her abilities and with the way she was, but unfortunately, she was stuck with a really poor writer. Um, well, I guess he's only he was only plotting on that book at that point, but she had the potential to be a really great character, um, especially since you know Gina obviously knew, hey, my other half is screwing with Batman and I'm screwing Batman, so like it had the potential to be good, but like they said, she just fizzled out. She went away, and nothing has been done with her since. I don't know if she'll come back, but I sincerely doubt it. And moving on to our final relationship with Bruce, it's Bruce and Natalia who has replaced the shipper in The Dark Knight. And now Dustin said that this one's not a this one's a throwaway as well, just like Charlotte. But I feel like she's a different, uh, if only because she gives as good as she gets. You know, basically when when Bruce has to go off, she's like, okay, whatever. And then, but she'll actually sort of argue with him about different matters. And if she's not going to take it anymore, she's going to say, hey, I'm sort of done with you. And we saw, I think at the end of the last, uh, the Dark Knight, that he came to sort of a recital that she was having and he, he sat with her as she ran through uh, her piece again. Uh, so I think, I mean, I could be wrong again, but it seems like there is some depth depth with this relationship and it seems like someone different than we've encountered before I think that just like Talia is this strong woman that can sort of push up against Bruce um, Natalia has this 
ability as well, and but just in a different way because she doesn't know that Bruce is Batman. Now, whether or not it will last, I don't know. I guess we can just dis- discuss that later in the future section. But right now, it seems like, even though we haven't seen too much of her, uh, it seems like a decent relationship so far. I, I guess... Here's the thing. It's not not so much that the character... The character, to me, is a throwaway character. It's not really relevant. We don't really need to see her in the book. She's not really doing anything that's really, you know, changing the story inside the book. But at the same point, I do agree in the fact that, you know, she is someone who is, you know, pushing Bruce and giving Bruce more of a... I guess, more sol- solidarity when it comes to relationship for the fact that, you know, he did come to the recital, he did listen to her replay the music, you know, it's, he's showing that he cares, which is something that we normally don't see, but I don't think that has anything to do with the character, I just think that has to do with the writer, Greg Hurwitz, writing, a, you know, a female who, you know, is not necessarily, you know, just, here, I'm I'm here to, to have sex and that's it. I like that she calls Batman, well, she calls Bruce out on him being really unavailable and distant and things like that. But I think what Dustin said is correct. It That is not the Bruce character that is experiencing growth. That is the writer wanting to write this story a certain way. And I don't think that is ultimately beneficial to the relationship. I don't even know if I really like her yet. Um, she just, to me, seems to have kind of shown up from nowhere <laughs> and placed all these demands on Bruce really for no reason. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's you know, it's again kind of my same comment to have about Charlotte is that I just don't really see, you know, it is interesting how she is, pushes Bruce a little bit more on, on where he spends his time and when we get that kind of, uh, of feelings from her, but I don't see any real reason why he has this great connection with her. I, I do agree that she has come out of nowhere and... Uh, we don't see her too often, so we sort of wonder what the point is with it all. Um, and I, I just wonder, now that we're sort of done with Batman, do you think Batman needs uh, to have romantic interests in his books? Because, I mean, I love shippers, but it seemed like when the New 52 started that we were just inundated with all these different romances. Um, and two out of the three Bat- uh, Batman-centric books had him uh, going with a woman. So does does this character need somebody to make the book interesting? Is it is it a way for the the writer to even though it's going to be a dark and brooding tale, a way to have it somewhat uplifting and and get people interested in the book? I think the only reason why some some of these books have the female characters is so that the book doesn't come across as straight horror. Okay. I think that um uh, Batman used to have love, love interests all the time, but I think after the Dark Knight Returns, the idea of him not having a love interest is a very more it's a lot more of a welcome idea because it's a lot, it's a lot it makes the character a lot more focused. And um, I think he can have love interests. I don't think I don't think Batman works well with a love interest who's a normal woman. I think that Talia and Catwoman work really well because they're sort of drawing closer to his world. Women character like we we just talked about it, characters like Charlotte Rivers or or Jai or anybody, mm-hmm. they don't really work because they're sort of they feel shoehorned in. They're attracted to a personality of Batman that's not really his real personality. And there's no real investment on them besides them being rich and beautiful. And I think that like all the other love interests who were like the, in that mold are the least successful, whereas Catwoman and Talia have more of a psychological kink, which we can kind of sink your teeth into story-wise. So 
I think he can, but they can't be the, the run-of-the-mill superhero love interest. I think they kind of have to be more interesting and uh, closer to in love with his real personality as Batman than his phony personality as Bruce Wayne the Playboy. So how do these relationships compare with ones that we saw in uh, the pre-New 52? How were, were those more worthwhile and you could uh, become more invested in those female characters and those relationships than you can do now? And do you feel like – did you feel like back then that, oh, this woman is popping up and in five issues she'll, she'll be gone so she's a throwaway? Did you feel that back then? Well, I think that there was – you know, a lot of times you could go back into the pre-New 52 books and find a million different times where Batman or Bruce had a five-issue love interest who was there and gone. But I think that we always kind of came back to Selena or, or Talia, like like Donovan and Dustin said. And I, I think it's almost strange how they've ignored – well, you had the first issue of Catwoman. But outside of that, how they've kind of ignored his most obvious love interest and, quite frankly, the most interesting ones. Mm-hmm. I think it, it, it's, I, I think having a five-issue love interest, as annoying as it can be, is actually quite integral to the character because the whole – idea of, of Bruce Wayne is, of, you know, obviously he's the, the, you know, the alter ego, but he's got to be so vastly different from Batman that nobody can ever suspect him. And and so have by, you know, th- this is, that's the image that he portrays as a, a, a love rat, a, you know, you know, a complete playboy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so he's got to have these five issue love interest whether they go anywhere or not sometimes doesn't really matter it's about him portraying this alter ego and that's why he he needs them and i think that's probably maybe something that the writers are trying to convey and that's the idea behind them but sometimes the writing quality is just not up to to showing that properly and i think that's where the the issues come from um i was gonna say i think it is possible for bruce to have a normal love interest but you run into the conflict of well if she stays around too long you know just like with natalia she's going going to want to know where are you spending your time and that brings up the whole well i have to reveal my secret identity and that's not something he's willing to do not only because you know he has to protect himself but it puts them in danger so these five-issue love interests, I think, are kept around long enough to give him the playboy attitude, but also they're kept around because they couldn't realistically be kept around any longer than that. You do sort of feel bad, though, for Batman. That I mean, you think <laughs> that he would realize after a while that there's just no point of it anyways, you know? Um, so it's just sad to see him really just so dedicated to the cow that perhaps he just doesn't think that he deserves a, a happy life in the end. So that's a little depressing. Well, like, as readers. Yeah, John? Uh, well, I think, I think actually that would be quite an interesting story to tell. And a good way of doing a five-issue love interest is if another woman came, if a woman came in and we got a story about him kind of going, well, what's the point of me doing this? And it's not necessarily action-packed, but shows much more the effect of him on on having a on on the woman and having a relationship and how he deals with it. I think that could be an, an a very interesting story arc. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we move on from Batman, I think I would be remiss, especially since Dustin that was his shipper pick, 
talking about uh, the current status of Talia and Bruce, and we really have only been seeing this in Batman Inc. And to say that the relationship is strained, I think, would be an understatement for sure. And just sometimes when I read that book, and it's it's an enjoyable read, but it, it, it feels like he's been fighting uh, Raish or Roz, however you want to pronounce that, rather than Talia herself. And there sometimes is a glimmer of sort of the woman that he loved and, and the woman that I've had experience with uh, in the past in different media. But it, it seems wildly different from what we've seen before. Dustin, why don't you start us off here with what do you think of this current relationship? How would you compare it with the Talia and Bruce that, that you seem so fond of? Well, it just goes back to what I was saying as far as like it's a, it's a, their relationship has always been love and hate. Bruce was not thrilled when he found out that Talia tricked him and you know they had sex and somehow she ended up having a kid. And <laughs> somehow she had a kid. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out. You awesome. Know, you think Batman's always supposed to be prepared because that utility belt? Clearly, he's not carrying a specific <laughs> item in that utility belt. <laughs> But nonetheless, um, you know, they, they have they have a kid, and you know I'm sure he, you know that didn't please him. But at the same time, he tried to make the best out of it. He accepted Damien into you know his world of things, and you know helped and has basically helped mold him into you know instead of the assassin that his mother has molded him into, mold him into an actual you know a possible heir to the Batman throne. You know to say so. I mean, the thing is. Uh, you know, currently with the whole Batman Incorporated thing, yeah, the the whole Talia thing is kind of, in my opinion, she she's just pissed, and it's she's pissed because Bruce has turned their son into basically, uh, you know, a model of himself instead of what she wanted him to be, which was basically go do her bidding as. Batman's as Batman's apprentice instead of becoming the the next Batman, um, and I think that that's pissed her off, and that's why it seems as if she you know Bruce is actually facing off against Roz, and I think you know the, you know that the reality is I don't see a better way of actually portraying the relationship other than the way Grant Morrison is actually doing it right now. I mean, we don't see anybody else even mentioning it in any of the other books, but then again how many different things are not getting mentioned in all of these books since mm-hmm. the new 52 started. So, I mean, the, I think it's working out perfectly in my opinion, as, as crazy as she's, you know, going in the extreme lengths that she's going, I think, you know, uh, you know, a mother is going to want the best for her child and Talia's opinion, the best is not what Bruce is doing. So I think it's, I think it's a great, I, I think it's great the way it's working. I find the relationship interesting because uh, going back to when they first met, at least the way it was written, and you could chalk us up to like you know 1970s uh, predilections. But Talia was always sort of like the woman who was really infatuated with Batman, and he kind of followed up on that, and almost to the point where it almost seemed to me like it was out of character. Like she was you know beautiful, and she was very, she had a lot of things behind her, like you know great wealth and you know uh, very otherworldly. Of course, it all came from crime. But apparently Batman didn't care about that at that point because she was hot. But, but it was it was interesting to me because, like, she was basically like one of his worst enemies' daughters. And there wasn't, at least in terms of the books, much to that. Now, obviously, since then, they've really developed her to be a lot more of a, a really strong character in her own right. Where I can, tell, I can totally see why Batman's attracted to her. Because when you think about it, every time I, see, I typically see them together, at least for a while until maybe after, like, Legacy or something, he did kind of go weak at the knees for her. 
Um, he wouldn't like really let on. To, like I, I like in the animated series when they they first bring up the idea of her and him getting married. He's like, forget it. <laughs> I really like that moment. But he does. Lo- it's, it's almost like he does. He's afraid to show his feelings for her, which is really on some on some levels it's almost. In out of character, but on other levels, it's sort of in character, and I find that interesting because she's one of his, he's almost like one of his biggest weaknesses, and um, the fact that they have a, they have a son together even kind of uh, uh, extrapolates that. Because I remember in that Batman Inc. issue, um, that double issue that has Stephanie Brown at the beginning, he kind of pleaded with her over the phone, like, "No, please, not, let's not fight. Let's talk this over with." And it kind of shows how how deep of a wound she kind of cuts into his heart so i think that like ty is one of those characters who you, you almost really can't have the batman story without at this point because how badly she affects him like most women do to men well i think it's interesting too that you've seen the relationship get get more complex with the addition of damien and i think that's very much a mirror for real relationships in life i mean when you get married or or, or to have a child out of wedlock having a child will change the, the, the dynamic of any relationship and I think we've seen that relationship change with the addition of Damien, and it has, you know, I really enjoy that part of it. Well, and to be fair, she did put out a hit on their son. <laughs> she is yeah. actively trying to have him killed. I think that probably puts a bit of a strain on their relationship as well. Um, but it's developing nicely in Incorporated, and nicely is probably the wrong word there. But it's developing, and I'm curious to see where it goes. Do you think, uh, because there's sort of an end in sight, because Morrison has said that he will be leaving, and I, I assume that the book will sort of stop when that happens, do you think they're going to reach some sort of understanding at the end? Uh, are, are they going to continue on this path where they're just sort of in that, that hate part of the love-hate? What do you think will happen by the end of uh, the Batman Inc. series? See, I think she's going to die. Because it would provide a lot of it's, – it's cliche to kill the woman to give the man trauma. But it would provide a lot of uh, drama for both Batman and Damien especially. And right now she's being written as like a real like badass villain. <laughs> I can't give I – love, I love that issue where she's just like talking crazy. And like I, I don't know. There's no real lead up to it. But I feel as though this this arc that Morrison's spinning is, is so you – no. Know, it's so wide spanning that I think it's going to have to have real consequences for it to mean much. Otherwise, it just—I mean, besides, you know, the death of the night. But, uh, but um, I think it, it's going to possibly end with that because obviously Talia is a key point in that. And I don't think it's going to end with her going to jail or her, you know, saying I hate you this time, Detective. Because she pulled that during Death of the Maidens when Rache died before he got better. So I think it's going to end with uh, Talia dying and. That might actually—I would actually like to see that really mess Batman up because that would be an interesting thing. Because we've seen love interests die, kind of. Now that I'm actually thinking about it, I don't know. It's an easy thing to go, but go with. But like one of those love interests who's also one of his villains would be—I think that would be sort of a new thing that they could, they could kind of go towards. I actually agree. I think she's going to end up dead, and then at some point she'll get tossed in a Lazarus pit and come back. Oh dear. Well, the, yeah, the Lazarus always will undo any of any of this stuff. Um, I think that will happen to her. For Rich sure. will so, run around in her body. Oh, no. That's that's an awful shipper to have happen. Well, I think we'll probably move on from Batman, and we'll go to a non-romantic relationship and a team-centered one, Birds of Prey. Aww. I have enjoyed watching this team build, and it really, it's been crescendoing, I think, and it's... the hell was that? It's, I don't know. 
it's faltered sometimes and it, it was tough right at the beginning because originally it was just Dinah and Starling and it seemed they had a good relationship so okay let's build it right there sort of that that the nucleus of the team and then well Babs pops in and we were all confused why she's in there but she's got a good relationship with Dinah so I think we'll be okay so three people then well we have Biz and Ivy pop in and this was rough especially for well Katana came in first and she was sort of an enigma but she I think she molded well but Poison Ivy was sort of the first um, hitch I think that the team had because no one except for Dinah really wanted to accept her because she's an eco-terrorist. Some people have died because of her actions, everything uh, like that. But then when that warehouse first exploded and Poison Ivy ended up saving the entire team, that was sort of her trial by fire and so they got along shippingly well. But, you know, <laughs> there, I think Choke, the Choke storyline was really great because he was not only attacking the team physically, but uh, really mentally and emotionally as well. And just breaking them down and planting the suggestions, having, you know, Starling shoot different people. And then, of course, Katana decapitates him. And that goes against what Dinah wants. And then later on, we find out that Dinah killed her husband. So that's another issue that we have with the team. So even though they seem to be building and, and being good uh, a good team flowing well uh, there always seems to be these attacks on the team that that leave them overwhelmed and now katana has left and poison ivy of course used all of the team members for her own gang and she's gone and now we have a talon on the team so i I'm concerned with what the team is going to be like now because we've got three original members, but we know that Starling's sort of an undercover operative working for Waller. Whatever she's planning, we, we don't know. And now we have Talon, and this Talon doesn't speak, so I don't know how that's going to go. So the te- I, I think that this is a really realistic book because teams aren't, I think, made in the sense of let's just put – a couple people together and it's going to work fine. I think that you put them together, but they've got to go through a lot of trials in order to get to a good point. And I think that we had seen that and they did run up against some trials and they were able to get past them. But now it seems like they're in a really uh, tough spot. But I do want to focus on the original team um, when it stood. Dinah, Starling, Babs, Poison Ivy, and Katana. So uh, what did you think? Did you like how the team grew and was built and did you like how they were sort of attacked on the inside and the outside and how they were able to overcome that and all of the the things that they went through my thing is this the best teams to read about in comic books are the teams that don't always get together um if you have a team where everybody just happens to get along with each other it's not it doesn't make it interesting because then it just turns into Basically, one single element, which is the team fighting a villain, and that's it. Which is the same thing as, any you know, any single hero fighting off a villain. It's the same thing. The difference is maybe you have a couple different people's different skills or uh, abilities compared to one person's. It makes it interesting when it is. That's why I was actually really excited when it was revealed that Poison Ivy was going to be on the team because I was, I was. Uh, quite interested in what would happen when Poison Ivy was going to be part of the team and how that was going to turn out. Obviously, it's changed now, but I thought that the idea of Poison Ivy on the team was really cool. 
basically the birds of prey have been branded as you know outlaws in their own rights because of the different things that some of the members have been involved in so i mean i think that gives it also a nice layer um of storytelling as well because you know they're they're essentially outlaws without being called outlaws while we have another book red hood and the outlaws where they're outlaws and they're not actually ever getting chased by the police so um i think it's a great dynamic that that they have going it started off as a really good dynamic and like dustin said i i did enjoy this you know this idea of them all being these different people and not really trusting each other and building the team and it, it you know it got like said it you know it was an interesting team dynamic but it's just turned into which team member of the week is the villain and it seems to have just fallen apart with this idea that they now all have to be infighting and one of them has to be a bad guy and one of them must have some kind of dark secret and it gets to that stage where eventually you just think well they've been together long enough that they're going to know stuff about each other and that's the dynamic I don't think that's really grown is they don't feel like they moved past the initial meetup if that makes sense that they're still kind of doing the whole I don't know you you don't really know me who's the villain kind of thing and it's 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 not really progressing the story and and building their relationship it doesn't feel like friends or a team anymore it feels tedious yeah, and I think it's difficult for any team to find its footing when, when like what John mentioned, it, it's become like a revolving door of, of which team member is going to stab the other team member in the back and, you know, which team member is not really on the team per se. So, yeah, I think it's, it's tough to develop that kind of dynamic. Now, I do think that Diana and Babs have the best, you know, relationship on the team. I think it's the one that really stands out as a, as a meaningful relationship. But the interesting thing about that is the fact that originally Babs wasn't even on the team. It took a, it took a couple issues before they actually decided, hey, maybe we'll actually put her on the team. <laughs> and not tell Kilsman. Yeah. Do you think that's why they put her on the team then maybe? Was it they wanted to have someone that there was more of an authentic relationship with? Maybe that was the case. And yeah. you know, if, if Dwayne Drzinski actually thought of that and you know said that was the reason and that's what, what his reasoning was when he went to editorial and said he wanted to bring it, by all means, but at the same time, by bring you know by you know bringing in a character that one of your characters in your book currently has a really good relationship with, and not really doing a very good job of with all of the characters you already have, I mean I I don't want to dismiss the idea of I like the idea of back Babs uh, in Birds of Prey, but at the same point, you know Swarzynski was writing the characters as you know this revolving door. And Babs came along, and she's been the one thing that Dinah hasn't really had to worry about. But she wasn't the first person that was part of this team in the first place. Yeah, I, I actually kind of agree with John. I don't, I don't usually say that, but like the team, this the book has seemed to be at least when I was reading. You know, how can the team have this horrible thing happen to them this time? And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying it was bad, but like. It was. It, it really did feel like the theme of this of the book was that these people shouldn't really team up together. And I found that interesting because it wasn't like like um, the original Birds of Prey where they kind of had this 
over over a long developed relationship. It was sort of like these sort of mismatched anti-heroes that are kind of just finding themselves together. Um, I think Starling and Dinah seem to have more of an interesting relationship than Babs and Dinah, at least in what I've read. Now, Babs and Dinah still do have a relationship, which I like to see. I like that relationship, but Starling seems to be the one, even though she's playing them all, that like she seems to be a little bit more relatable to uh, certain characters. Um, I like how Ivy t- did that. She wasn't really... She was more always the art person and then she ended up being a villain anyway. But um, I think it's interesting because I think that the Birds of Prey, although I think the, that the idea of that team is sort of like watching the team operate together rather than the typical adventures they kind of get into. And to have that sort of be like the point of contention with the team is an interesting kind of way to spin it, I think. I don't know if it's the best way you can do, go about it, but it's certainly one that's a worthy uh, idea of trying. Uh, I do have to say that, just for reference sake, when I interviewed uh, Swarzynski, he was told this is what the team is. Uh, so he was given, basically, yeah. the team, and he had to work with it. Um, Maybe that's one of the reasons Becker was brought along then. Yeah, w- well, which is shocking because remember how uh, Simone didn't. She was confused and unaware of why <laughs> So I uh, must not have been reading it. <laughs> well, or yeah, or there was just no communication in the bad offices either. As we've as come yeah. To uh, so I agree with Don that I definitely saw um, Starling and Dinah as an interesting relationship, and then also agreeing with Dustin that I mean we've got the foundation, and I think Ed also said this for the Dinah Babs relationship. I do think though that we were. So sort of short changed in both of those just with the issue number zero because we see that Babs and Dinah didn't really have a great found they just happened upon each other one night and then even though issue number one seems to imply that Dinah and Ev have known each other a, a long long time it just well they happen to work <laughs> work with each other you know in issue number zero as well so I do regret comparing it to the the old 52 just that we lost a lot i think especially with the babs and diner relationship because i think that's one of the best buddy buddy girl or uh, best friend relationships in comics and they they started out way back when you know the um bad books for beginners hopefully you've been able to see that but you know they started off with those weird those weird little um short issues and then all of a sudden it started off and dinah didn't even know Babs was she was just Oracle, and then that one time the search for Oracle, she she found her and she said, "Call me Babs," and I was like the reveal, and then they were best friends ever since, and we sort of lost all that history. So that this is one of the relationships that I do really miss a lot of the the little bits from the previous fifty two. So the next one, going back to another romantic, uh, is Nightwing. What I'll just do for time's sake is we can just talk about both of them rather than separating them up. So you can pick and choose if you want to talk about one and the other or just one, whatever. So first we have Dick and Raya. And Raya pops up in uh, – I, I know. Raya pops up in number issue number one. And obviously you're aware that they've had a past in the circus before. And you can tell that there's history there and some flirtation. Uh, in issue two on the plane ride – uh, there's well, there's Whoopi on a plane now, a moving device, and uh, then later on a train. But then in the end, she says that nothing really can happen with them. Of course, probably because we find out, you know, that she's a bad guy, and 
psycho and everything. Uh, but he still tries. He still tries. And they still seem to have somewhat of a connection. And in the end, even though she is a bad guy, she ends up trying to help Dick Grayson out. Dick and Sonya. Now, we've been doing this rather recently. Sonya, what is her last name? Zuko. Zuko. Yes. Thank you, Melinda. Yes. Or Branch. Okay. Or Branch. Sonya Branch, um, a.k.a. Azuko. But we could tell. We sniffed a rat when we saw one. Uh, basically, <laughs> that, <laughs> that this was going to be a shipper right from the start. And just little things. Maybe Dick flirting with her assistant and she getting a little bent out of shape. And meeting. Well, it's, it's been a confusing relationship, to be honest. Because she will call a meeting and he can't figure out whether it's a date or not. And then she'll call back and say actually I have to cancel it and so he realizes oh it must have been a meeting but then they kissed and then he had this flashback of all these things that were involving her um, father <sighs> so we have two I, I would say wildly different well maybe they're similar just in the fact that they're both sort of rooted in a bad guy somehow uh, Dick and Raya I was really upset that he slept with her in the second issue to be honest um, I guess my hope was just that Maybe we can have him single for a while and he and Babs will make their way to each other uh, in the new 52. But that did not happen. And then all of that happened. And then she said, I can't be with you, which was really frustrating. And he, you know, he tried to get back together with her. I do have to say at least she was able to sort of redeem herself in the end and, and tried to help him out. And, of course, now she's dead. So there's really no going forward with Raya. But to be honest, to start off uh, the Nightwing series with her, I, I didn't really like it. Uh, Dick and Sonya. It's just a confusing relationship. It's it's sort of a are they or aren't they not going to, but are they actually uh, dating or is there romantic feelings involved? And I just didn't think right at the beginning, is he going to be able to get over the fact that her father was the one that led to his family's death? And I was told, no, no, I think he's over it. That's not going to be an issue. And then we see a two-page splash of him not being over it. And I just think this this is really a worthless relationship for me because it is it's just too confusing and all over the place. So both of these I think are are no's for me. And Dick Grayson is a great character. I sometimes think of him as I call him sometimes the the Tony Stark of the DCU. <laughs> just uh-huh. and some people say he doesn't sleep with that many people, but it seems really like he is a slight womanizer and i think that the original dick race was really not like that so i don't know when this characterization happened but i i kind of want him to get to a point uh like batman not have throwaway girls for five issues but maybe at least get to a point where he has significant relationships like he's had with barbara and with Corey. i will admit that um but yeah relationships that stand more than what we've seen so far so as far as raya goes i would say here, okay, I'll just I can actually combine my my thoughts on both of these characters. I think Kyle Higgins is a great writer, but I don't think Kyle Higgins can do uh, the the love relationship stuff very well at all. Um, I think that he can nail a story very well, as we've seen with numerous issues of of Nightwing. But as far as the the love aspect that has been very prominent within any of the Dick Grayson stories in the past. Um, he's he hasn't really mastered that at all. Um, I've said in the comic cast numerous times that you know we 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 see 
Um, Dick saying, no, I can't. Yes, I can. No, I can't. Yes, I can. And now recent, more recently he's saying, no, I can't because now he's actually done it and he's feeling guilty about it to begin with. It doesn't make any sense of why he's feeling guilty because his, his okay, wonderful. His, 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 uh, the chick that he's kissing, uh, her father killed his parents. Well, her father's gone. His parents are gone. I mean, it's not something that I can't pretend to, you know, I can't pretend that my parents were killed by somebody and I ended up marrying the person who killed, uh, marrying the person who killed my wife or killed my parents' daughter because that's not the case. But at the same time, like, it just seems this person has proven over and over and over again that they are not the same person as their father. Regardless of the fact that if they were the same person, it was a bad person, similar to what we've seen with Selena and, and Bruce and Bruce and Talia and all that, and maybe Dick was just following Bruce's footsteps on that regard. Even so, why would it matter? He would try to figure out some way of trying to, you know, get her to, you know, become a better person, as Bruce has tried so many times with Selena. So, I mean, like, my thing is... Kyle Higgins just needs to do a better job of being able to write the uh, romantic element inside the book because it is something that is very important to Dick Grayson's character, but I don't think it's being done very well. The whole Raya thing was the only reason why it was in the book and the only reason why she had any kind of love interest with, uh, with Dick was because it was going to be revealed that she was behind this giant plot, you know, to get back at Dick Grayson. So, I mean, like, the whole thing is just, eh. I, I mean, I don't really care about either one of these relationships, honestly. Yeah, both of these are full of crap. <laughs> um, I think the Raya thing, the fact that they, that they pulled the trigger on that so early in the run, I suppose it does uh, speak to the assumed, you know, playboy nature of Nightwing, which I, I don't really agree with. But also, it, it, I mean, I would imagine that whenever there's a romance in the comic book, there is an attempt to sort of have the care, have the readers invest somewhat in that relationship and even before Ryder was revealed to be a villain she was written so i mean like there's a there's a back row crossover where she was like you know oh we, we both know what this is dick you know you don't you don't have to like you know get invested in anything so it's like uh, i mean she, i don't really find, i never even found her to be a, a likable character all that much even when barbara showed up she seemed so <laughs> evil um the sonia branch thing sonia branch isn't a bad character but the romance feels so arbitrary or so, like, you know, it doesn't really affect either characters. I mean, I don't know why she's attracted to Dick Grayson besides, you know, I know Dick Grayson is written to be an attractive person, but there's not much written to be, there's not much to me that speaks to that besides her saying, oh, don't worry, Dick, don't blame yourself, it's okay. Hey, you want to come to my house and sign some papers? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, I mean... The Sonya thing is written a bit better than the Riot thing because the Riot thing just felt so tacked on. But even still, I said in the comic cast that I, I like the idea that Dick has a problem with somebody who is related to Tony Zuko. But at the same time, it was, it does kind of read a bit immature of him to have those like you know crazy her father killed my parents and my parents are dead kind of reaction to kissing her is like I mean again I can't speak for that situation myself. So I'm not saying it's a out and out bad thing, but it's very black and white. 
It's like you know, Dick and Sonya are attracted to each other some for some reason, but Dick can't be with her because her she, her father killed his parents. Drama, and I I, I kind of want relations to be a little more de- developed than that, a little more uh, complicated than that, because I think that his relationship with Barbara and Starfire and Huntress and um, everyone else, except, except for like you know his landlady, were more complicated. And that's sort of like what made them interesting, and I think that these are sort of like they're complicated in paper, but they're not really written to be all that interesting besides, you know, basic uh, drama tropes. And I agree. I think, I think Kyle Higgins is, is a very decent writer, but the, the, his romance chops need to be, or some, leave one, leave some to be desired, I think. And um, I kind of wish this better because I, I think, I'm not sure if there's any real engaging romance in these books besides Batwoman. And it's interesting because a lot of these characters have really feisty sex lives. <laughs> so I'm kind of, I'm kind of wondering when that's actually going to pick up in the new 52. Yeah, I, I kind of think that something we, we talked about earlier when we're talking about Bruce's relationships, you know, really fits in well here, which is do we need him to have a relationship? And I think what we're seeing in, in Dick's book right now is that they're simply giving him a, a love interest because Kyle Higgins, who I do like the majority of his writing, feels like that in today's modern comic age, you have to have a love interest. And I think it'd be totally fine if we're only going to have these type of love interests that we just had him not have one for a while. I was going to say, was there not an editorial mandate that Dick Grayson get some in the new 52? <laughs> it was. Okay. I, I was not being facetious there. I'm pretty sure that was a thing. But I, I did not feel anything whatsoever for Raya. Um, I like the fact that he is struggling with a relationship with Sonia Branch because I do think he would feel a tremendous amount of guilt being with someone so closely related to his parents' killer, not necessarily because he is afraid for himself with her or anything like that. I think that he would, being who he is, he would potentially feel that that would dishonor his parents somehow. And we've seen that that he, regardless of how long they've been gone, he feels immensely close to them still. So I, I don't have a problem with the relationship with Sonia Branch, I agree the one with Raya felt really tacked on and completely unnecessary to the development of the first arc. I think it's, 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 not a, it's not a proper Nightwing comic if he's not having sex with that woman right there. That's right. Said the editor. I think it, the, the, the way I think the feel about the, the Sonya relationship is it's like that moment in Back to the, Fu- the first Back to the Future where... Uh, the doc turns to Marty and goes, oh, the reason your mum's attracted to you is because of the Florence Nightingale syndrome. And you kind of go, what? Sorry, what? What? What's going on? And that's how I felt about this relationship with Sonia. You kind of just, it's there and you kind of just think, what? Why? Why is, why is he, this is, the daughter of the man who killed your parents. Why are you... I get the whole, you know, Christian love your enemies kind of thing, but surely too far? You know, I think it would have been a much more interesting thing if we'd watched them have to work through these problems and develop a friendship and then move on to a romance. And rather than just, oh, you are the daughter of the person who killed my parents. Well, now I'm going to jump into bed with you. You just kind of... It it, it feels really forced and stupid. 
I want to throw it out to you guys. Do you think there's anything that these, this can be salvaged? Since Nightwing is one of the more friendlier characters in, in the Batman universe. Uh, yes, the easy thing to salvage is now that Jimmy's dead and the Joker has basically, uh, you know, laid his mark on the amusement mile, leading Dick to probably have to shut that sucker down <laughs> and in turn uh, lose all his money. He won't have anything to do with Sonya Branch, so she can disappear and he can leave. Well, I, I, I know this is happening as far as he's going to be leaving Gotham City. So he leaves Gotham City and starts... Uh, you know, doing stuff somewhere else, regardless of where it is. It's been he's been in New York before. He's been in Bloodhaven before. Let's just have him leave Gotham City. Leave a lot of this stuff that's been happening uh, over the past year and a half behind. Go to a different city and you know maybe see just a a normal relationship with somebody. You know maybe it's his next door neighbor. God knows who. It doesn't really matter, but. I don't really want the person to, for him to have a relationship with to be someone who has to be linked to the story. Mm-hmm. I want it to be a supporting character who's around but does not turn out to be the villain or is the the daughter of the, the person who killed his parents. Like, I just want it to be just somebody normal because that would be nice for a change. Yeah, and it's, and it's a lot like the, the Bruce thing. It's sort of like, you know, we must affirm their masculinity by having these women in there. And, like... There's ways to do it. I mean, like, I'm, I, you know, I wouldn't talk about continuity now. We're like, in his original series, there was his landlady, Clancy, and she liked him, and he, and he thought she was attractive, but he was always busy being Nightwing, that that relationship never got off the ground. But that's an honest thing that people can relate to, you know? It's not so much, like, it's not so much like the whole, like, like, like drama thing. It's, it's actual, like, you know, things that don't work out. It's not so much either he could be with somebody, but there's drama because she's evil or she's related to the, the killer of his parents. There are some, th- there are some ways to play it more honestly. Like, like for instance, I think that the, uh, the re- we're not talking about this, but the, the relationship between Barbara and Alicia is actually one of the more sparingly normal relationships in the, in the bet books. Um, because there's, there's, there's people who are, you know, have a, have a basic relationship by living together. I think if Dick like had got, has, has gets a new job or whatever, and, is attracted to somebody else, and like there's conflict between him and his dual identity. That's all we really need. There's ways to have something simple work out better in the long run. That I think complicating it, and and I, I'm not trying to harangue Kyle Higgins for doing this stuff, but like I think that like both Raya and Sonya proved that like tying a love interest to his Nightwing identity is a tricky thing to pull off. I don't think they've got to get rid of Sonya straight away. Uh, you know, I think. If they just cut to the chase and got them into a relationship and we saw them having to deal with all the baggage that went with it, if it's well-written, I think it could be interesting, but it does rely on it being well-written and whether Carl Higgins is up to that is, I think, up for debate. I do like uh, Dustin's idea because I think that would lead nicely into... Um, Dick becoming a policeman again, and I think those were just amazing storylines of seeing him in and out of the costume just in two different ways. And I think that'd be great because, you know, he could get a partner or something and perhaps um, just starting off as friends and in a mutual relationship of respect with his partner and perhaps it will develop into something more. But I think that does... Oh, that fits better with, with the story, and I think getting people emotionally invested is if they're not attached to the story, but attached to the life that the character is leading. Like I've said oh, before, yeah. DC, DC, just call me. I got. <laughs> Please 
do call him. I think he's, you know, he's the man. Call me, beat me if you want to reach me. Oh, my gosh. Um, so from one negative I, I talk, perhaps, to another that uh, Ed, <laughs> Ed and I know all too well, uh, we're going to go back into a non-romantic discussion. Batgirl. Babs and Alicia is one. Babs and her father, Commissioner Gordon. And I think we'll also throw in there Babs and her recently resurfaced mother, Babs Sr., so Babs and Alicia, we, we pop up on this girl, and, of course, she's got this trope that Josh Bertoni always likes to say, Gordon Barbara Gordon. <laughs> um, so it just starts off very strangely uh, to begin with, and they don't really see each other that much because basically Batgirl, the book Batgirl, is maybe 80% in the cowl and 20% out. Probably the best moment that they had, I think, was an issue number four. It was Christmas, and they had sort of a, a discussion about what, their greatest Christmas gifts were and um, well Babs gets something really weird some weird statue I don't even know how to describe it but Babs gave Alicia um, a knife set because she's always wanted to, to go to cooking school and to become a cook so it seemed like there was some progression there and maybe maybe it could be a good roommate situation but now with death in the family wait death of the family get so confused with that you know Babs has a beat em up with a bunch of clowns in her apartment. Alicia walks in. Babs says, I'm leaving and I'm never coming back. <laughs> and uh, and then Alicia later is outside the church where um, Babs is beating up Joker. So oh, I don't even know if this relationship is going to go anywhere. I think it's I, I was kind of shocked to hear Donovan say that it was a normal one. I guess it's normal in the fact that, yes, they're roommates and there's not something weird going on. But she is just a really weird character, and I've never gotten emotionally <laughs> invested in her. So I don't think I, – I really can't say that I would be sad to see her go. Babs and Babs Sr., I think this was very random. Uh, let's just have her mother show up. And obviously – the mother walked out on her, so it's going to be a strained relationship. And we saw this, so that was realistic. We saw this throughout. She didn't really want to be there. She was sort of harsh to her mother. Then she starts to sort of open up. And I think the catalyst probably, I guess, I guess if she <laughs> survives for a good relationship, will be if Bab Sr. or when Bab Sr. was kidnapped by the Joker and her finger was cut off and everything. Because you see in these issues that uh, Batgirl really has a commitment to saving her mother, and that's really the foremost thought on her mind. But to be honest, I, I'm just sad that this is – it's turning our sights away, I think, from one of the best relationships, father-daughter relationships that we've seen, one of the best relationships that we've had in the pre-New 52, and that was – uh, Jim's, Jim Gordon and Babs. Uh, I, I just loved this relationship. It was, it was respect. It was father and daughter love. And it was just great to see how they grew. And, and especially in Back Row Year One, I think that summarizes everything, just how they got along and just the love in that particular storyline. And unfortunately, in Batgirl now, you just you don't see them together ever again. You saw them in the, the first issue, but she was moving out. And so I almost wish that she was still living with her father, so at least we could have a relationship between those two. But I feel like we made her move out so she could have this fake relationship with her mother. So unfortunately, all the relationships that pop up, I'm sure we could talk about McKenna if you so desire, but... All these relationships that pop up in Batgirl have, have not been worthwhile, and I think the one that Simone could really profit on 
she doesn't even we don't even see anything going on with that. I want to do the uh, Alicia one first because I remember when we first read uh, Batgirl uh, number one, we were you know shocked and disgusted. But also, for some reason, I remember it's like really coming down hard on this on this wacky roommate. It's probably because of the hippie beatnik thing they were going, they were going with her. But to be honest, I think since the book has gone on, and um, we've continued to berate it, <laughs> except for Ed. Uh, I think that she's actually one of the better aspects about it because she's only she's like the only one who's not beating people up and killing people, uh, at least not yet because she does have her crazy knife. But um, I don't know. I kind of turned around on Alicia because I think that she's like she's a positive character, even though she has her her, her weird ways and she's like her bar, this bartender who knows how to patch up ribs. She's at least you know trying trying to be nice and. You know, there's that there's that there's that weird moment where she says, Barbara Gordon, you gotta do something. Your mom's making muffins, no. And like <laughs> that's that's stupid, but you know, it's kind of a funny stupid word. It doesn't really affect anything. So I think in hindsight, I actually don't really mind this character and I did find it weird because um I don't know. How long how long do you think she's been rooming with Barbara? Because the scene where Barbara Gordon does the whole Farley Stillwell, you'll never see me again kind of thing, and she starts crying. Uh, maybe maybe that's like a guy girl kind of thing, but like it's sort of a disparity because I don't I'm not sure why she was crying. <laughs> They've not really done anything, but I I kind of like her because she's the only normal one out of this this farce of a comic where everybody is hating everybody, and. I kind of do like her inclusion in the book, and I kind of wish we got more of it because the the, the Christmas scene wasn't all that bad. I, she was, she gave Barbara Gordon something, and I don't know. I think after all the crap that Batgirl's been going through with the Joker and the henchmen and, and you know uh, Gretel and all those wonderful characters, I think Alicia actually comes off looking well because she's like the only one with the sanity to her. So I mean, I, I could be shot down here, and I hope I am because it would be funny. But um, I don't, do you, uh, Dustin, would you agree, or do you still have the level of disdain that you did in the first time? Here's the thing. I I didn't really like the idea of the character when they first introduced her because of that hippie thing that you mentioned. But honestly, she, to me, is a throwaway character. Um, she really hasn't really done anything. I did say that I, I, and I will stay in by, I did like the idea of her having the odd Christmas present exchange between her and Barbara because, you know, it, it gives that character somewhat of the normalcy that we don't really see in that book. And unfortunately, even though, um, you know, in some cases a lot of people disagree with us, um, we I am not a big fan of what's been going on. Even I think Stella exaggerated when she said that, you know, she's <clears throat> Barbara 20% and she's in the cowl 80%. I think that's probably even over-exaggerated what? in my opinion. It's probably like, probably more like 80 or it's probably like 95% she's in the cowl and 5% she's not. You mean I under-exaggerated? Well, I guess, yeah, under-exaggerating oh. the, the personal aspect. Either way, you got it wrong. Um, <laughs> but I mean, like it just, to me, it just seems as if, you know, I'm, this book is missing the personal aspect. Yeah. We've seen the things between her and her mother, but like honestly, the whole I, I think there's a huge missed opportunity with everything that's you know the relationship with her and her dad, which I'm not real sure what the necessity for her to have this relationship with her mother is, other than she's just not a character that's been around and it's someone easy that they can mold into whatever they want compared to Jim Gordon, who's 
pretty set with what he's what he is. So I think like the sad part is I think that Scott Snyder did a better job of illustrating the relationship between uh, Jim Gordon and Barbara Gordon in his Black Mirror run more so than Gail Simone has done in Batgirl with 16 issues. So, I mean, that says something there. But I, I, I think it just comes down to um, I'd like to see more regular, normal characters like Alicia in this book, but I want them to have, you know, I want them to appear more. The problem is that they have, and I said this in, the last, in one of the last comic casts, you know, the reason why... Um, Alicia has been focused on is because James Jr. has been focused on and somehow that's the link that he's using between Barbara and himself is Alicia and the thing is like well that's great but it just is going back into what's there's no reason to have Alicia around except for her leading to some evil conspiracy as we've seen with Raya and in some regards some of these other ones like Talia, Jezebel, Jet, even you know, we go we can go further back. It's just it's one of those things where it's like what what's the point of having the character around if she's just really a method to introduce or to keep in the mind or keep somebody in the in your mind. It's just to me it doesn't make any sense. So um, I'd like to see more normal characters and I'd like to see more situations like that Christmas gift exchange or, you know, the two of them going out to eat and talking about, you know, whatever. It doesn't even matter. Like, that's what makes it interesting is the personal stuff, not just let's go shatter some teeth. And then my roommate I'm going to tell I never want to see again, even though I never see her to begin with. Yeah, it, it's funny because I actually do enjoy the bad girl title. I know that's a, a rare opinion nowadays, but that's okay. But I can't stand the roommate. She's the one part of the book that just I don't know why she's there. She doesn't seem to add anything. I, I also would like to see some more genuine moments with, with normal people, but her character is just extremely uninteresting. And I think that you have the opportunity to focus on what could be very interesting relationships with Commissioner Gordon, with Jim Gordon Jr., and that we, we lose all of this page count to what is just uninteresting, to say the least, for me. Um, I dropped this book really early in its run just just because i was so irritated and annoyed with the fact that you really don't get to see barbara interacting with anybody and i recognize like it's called the batgirl title it it runs under that but the fact is we really you miss out on her interactions with almost everybody because you're busy focusing on her being out and kicking butt and taking names you know you don't you don't get to see the heroes turning to her for help. And that was part of the characterization that I really liked. And they brought in this roommate who was such a stereotype and to me was was the epitome of everything I hate about hipsters and hippies and combining the two into one. Like, I just, I detested it so much. <laughs> and the way that Barbara was written, you know, you didn't get to see her interacting with the people that you would you would expect her to be interacting with like her father or any of the other characters. And, you know, without those relationships around, I felt the title really suffered and her character in turn diminished in my eyes. I, I know that, you know, I may be thrown off the podcast here, but uh, I've, I've thought from issue one that, that Babs has 
there has been an attempt to fit her into this this cookie cutter form of what Peter Parker has done for Spider-Man, and unfortunately, it just hasn't worked. And the the great thing about the Spider-Man, um, let's think in the past before a uh, brand new day, but just the fact that he had this wonderful cast of characters and yes they were sort of thrown at you especially when he went to college but they're developed alongside of peter especially when he's out of his mask and you know he gets a roommate and everything but you fall in love with these characters as well and they lend themselves to developing peter's story and right from right off the bat i was like oh barbara gordon is like the poor man's peter parker because she's newly graduated so we sort of de-aged her she's moving out she's getting her own place uh now she's got this kooky roommate and she doesn't have the greatest luck so i was just like oh no but it's not the way that you know, it, it could be because I think if if you gave her a great cast, you had her interacting more with her father. Because I feel like two issues she may have interacted with her father. She may have thought about him or talked about him um, more than that, especially during uh, Night of the Owls and uh, when she originally said that she hijacked some tech. But she's only been face to face with him, I think, for two issues, which is a travesty. So I think if you were to have a great cast of characters and Babs builds them up and they build Babs up, then you could have a great book. But the fact of the matter is we only see Babs as Batgirl and not Babs as Babs. Uh, and I think that's really the downfall of the book for me. Well, I am shooting uh, darts at Donovan's picture on my wall right now since he likes Elysia now. So I guess we'll move on to a, uh, hey. a, shipper, <laughs> a shipper that I know we both agree on. One of my favorites from the New 52, and that happens in Batwoman. And so thankful, hopefully you're thankful as well, that there is only one relationship in this particular book that, and it's been meaningful, uh, and it's Bat, it's Batwoman, a.k.a. Kate and Maggie. And these two have had a past. They, they first met and danced in Detective Comics number 856, if you remember way back when. Uh, but then, you know, issue one, they sort of meet again when Kate is looking at uh, Renee Montoya's picture. And, of course, Renee was, I think, Kate's first love in the actual comic series 52 and they go out on a date uh which is at a club and then they're outside of uh maggie's place and maggie asks kate if uh she would like to go up and kate would love to but she actually ends up leaving uh which i thought was oh wow this is great because it's it's a totally different turn and then issue three if you remember Kate and Bette had sort of this blow up and Kate was just really mean and hateful to her, uh, but she was doing it to save her life, basically. And on the stairs, uh, Maggie happens upon her. And for once, Kate was sort of open and emotional to her. And this led to their first kiss. And uh, issue four, well, the whoopee happened. And I was a little mixed about this, mainly because I thought, well, if it's still Graphic. slow and steady, <laughs> I think it, I think, you know, it'll be great um if if you know it's just a, a nice uh increasing relationship but you know this was this was fine that you know they made this this leap uh and they've continued on now they're sort of on a break right now uh because there are just some secrets uh that Kate is not willing to share obviously and Maggie's having a tough time getting over this but if we don't think about what's been going on right now with sort of the weeping woman and Medusa and everything i have to say that this is probably one of the best if not the best uh romantic relationships that have de- been developed thus far in the new 52 
to. It's been, like I said, slow and steady. Uh, the characters really getting to know each other, at times opening up about their lives and things that have been going on with them. And I just think it's it's really realistic. And this is probably the only slash relationship that I will ever like, because generally I don't like slash relationships. But I, it's just my favorite. I just don't think I can uh, say anything else other than that. What is the definition of a slash? Well, sla- that's like the, the same sex. Oh, oh that was like in fan fiction. In, well, in, in fan fiction anyways. Well, yeah, I don't keep up with that. <laughs> <laughs> but I do. No, no. <laughs> okay. Am I the only one that loved this relationship? No, I hate them. I wish they would break. No, I'm kidding. Um, I like them. Um, I really like that. I thought it was issue four or five when they kissed, but who cares? Um, I thought it was a little interesting because Mag- Maggie Sawyer and uh, Kate Kane are like one of like the three, I think, really prominent gay women in DC. I'm sure there's more, but I, I, it's like them and Renee Montoya. I like the only one, so of course they have to get together. <laughs> but I mean, the way it was written, the way J.H. Williams wrote it was really, really nice because it's it's just it's almost like you know this is this is this is this is a challenge towards our our current uh, social mindset. But like, it's almost as, as though like you know they're no, it is pretty much like their their orientation isn't even a factor because the way it was written was so. It was so genuine and so natural that you can see why they're attracted to each other. You can see, I can see why Maggie's attracted to Kate because Kate's really quirky and she's really she has a lot of strength behind her because she has a secret identity. That's pretty much why any uh, non-superhero character falls in love with a superhero character. Um, and I like the fact that every because Maggie's a cop, she like, she has that line I think in the last issue where she says, "Thank God that Kate isn't a part of this." As she watches Batwoman swing by. And, <laughs> Never, uh, totally unaware that she is really Batwoman. But I mean, I think that the way the relationships written is very well because you got to give Maggie Sawyer credit. She's been, for those you don't know, she was a Superman character originally, so she has a lot of you know, she has a lot of mileage in terms of what she's used to seeing and what she can sort of deal with. And I like the fact that she was strong enough to sort of throw Kate out on her butt when she says, you know, you got to level with me, otherwise, really, really can't make this work. And because Kate's a fairly new superhero, then. I like the fact that that sort of throws her uh, for a loop, the, you know, early into her career. So I thought that was pretty good. I mean, there's not much I can really say about this, but the fact that it's a really well-written relationship in general. And the fact that, like, it's the most – it's the best relationship written. And not so much that it's two, between two gay characters, but it's between Batwoman, a character who's really new. I mean, even though she first appeared when the 52 Weekly series came out, she was so sporadic that it's hard for me to – get used to her as an established character. So the fact that this brand new character has the best relationship written speaks to, speaks to the possibilities of uh, more relationships being written well and uh, the failings of traditional relationships being written well. <laughs> so those are my thoughts on that. Yeah, I think the relationship is great. Uh, I'm just going to keep it short and sweet. I think the relationship's great. It is, in fact, one of the best written relationships that is happening in any of these books because it actually feels as if there is actual meaning to it instead of it just being, you know, two people hooking up because they need to hook up because that's what happens in comic books nowadays. And the genuine concern and thoughts that each character has about each other throughout the series, even when they're not with each other, makes the relationship even more important and more uh, prominent as far as the, the, the best one out there. So... That's all I have. I was just going to say, I was just going to echo the sentiments of both Donovan, Dustin, and Stella. I think this is the one relationship going on right now 
that the rest of the writers could really look at and say, this is how you develop a good, successful, long-lasting, and meaningful relationship in a comic book. That's it. Yeah, I was going to echo what you guys said. This could really easily have turned into, you know, soft core porn or been... Like every, like every other book has. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, essentially, and I think I think what what's more difficult is with le, you know with lesbian relationships and things, it's a lot easier to do than traditional relationships. I think, and I know that makes me sound horrible, but you know, it's that pandering to to a crowd for a certain type, and you know, I think by by not doing it actually. I, I kind of feel there's been a, a real restraint that whether I mean whether it's it's J H Williams himself or whether DC have said you know you don't go too overboard with it it, it makes it a much more natural and interesting relationship and like you guys said I think a lot of writers could really take a leaf out of their book on how to create a relationship. And and do it. I mean, whether maybe there's a social message behind it, I, I I don't know. It'd be nice to think that there was. Well, just real quick, I want to say like that was that was why I was sort of turned off with Batwoman before because I remember when she first appeared, she was written as this lipstick lesbian character who was sort of like went like I think DC went to the newspaper and says we have the first gay Batman character and she was written to be sort of like this like very straight femme looking gay character and that really annoyed me because I thought you know okay you have this opportunity to sort of you know appeal towards a certain demographic that doesn't typically get represented in the comics and you make her basically a, a male fantasy. So when uh, the, she was in Detective Comics and in her own run, she's written more real... I, I didn't say real realistically, but more traditionally to sort of represent the more underappreciated aspect of the uh, gay community and the readership. I thought that was, that was, that was well done. I thought that like giving her a really believable relationship added to that uh, uh, genuine quality. Yeah, I think as as well, from what you said, Don, they could have gone completely the other way and gone into a, trying to make it some kind of comedic farce where, you know, her girlfriend is some kind of, you know, really manly woman and it falls into all that stereotype just to please the, the other side of that crowd. And And the fact that they haven't, you know, makes this relationship so much more interesting and so much better. Well, it is kind of interesting, too, that of, of all the relationship we've, relationships we've talked about, this was probably the most difficult to write and the one that could have, be, could have been handled the worst, and it turned out the best. I just want to echo everyone's sentiments that I think there are, you're all right. This was, hands down, uh, so far the best written romantic relationship that is in at least the Bat book in the New 52 um, it it also took, it seems to me, a bit more time to develop than the other ones. This doesn't feel like it's a five issues and done type of thing. And Maggie isn't a character that uh, Kate is using to kind of keep up her side personality. Like, she's not using her as a, as a bimbo to say, oh, look at what a playgirl I am, blah, blah, blah. She's genuinely interested in having a romantic relationship with her. And I think this is kind of the relationship story we were talking about earlier with Batman, where it would be interesting to see 
how he feels when he's with someone that he actually wants to be with. And I think that's what we're seeing with her is we're seeing, you know, I genuinely want to be with you, but I have this whole half of my life that I have to keep hidden from you. How am I going to do that? It's also interesting, I think, real quick to say that, like, uh, they tried this with, was was it Earth 2? With um, uh, Green Lantern and his boyfriend? And wasn't he killed off, like, a page later? Yeah, which was annoying because they had this whole setup that, hey, look what we're going to be doing. We're gonna make we're gonna make Scott Alan Scott gay, and then yeah, they kill him off, and that was like, why did you do that? What was the point of that? Well, it's, yeah. it's interesting because like there's that whole barrier barrier gaze trope where it's sort of like, I mean, they they made a big stink and people rage quit because you, you can't turn a straight character gay. Then they, they said it's Alan Scott. Then said nobody cares about Alan Scott. Make it Superman, oh, which I thought was funny. And then they kill the guy off. It's like it's interesting how people respond to that sort of thing. Like and they introduced um what's the girl's name? Harper? Her brother yeah. being gay and um him like, you know, wanting a picture of Tim Drake, which I thought was awesome. And like it's I think it's interesting how certain characters lend themselves to reflect real world situations. I think like because Batman's one of the more believable characters. I think it's I think it's rather reflective that Batwoman who's who's separate enough from the Batman universe has a realist, real, a believable relationship. Despite the fact that she has, like, Joker skin. I don't know why. Uh, like, like if you compare it to, like... Uh, I don't know what I'm saying. Like, you know, just because Green Lantern is a more fictional type of story, the their relationship is doomed to fail. But I find it interesting that there's a correlation between the type of stories they're telling with Batman, the type of stories they're telling with other DC characters, and how those relations play off. And I know it was different before the New 52, I know it's a lot different because I think a lot, a lot of the relationships were uh, with Obsidian and other characters were a little bit more diversified. But now that they're trying to have a concentrated effort over that and failing miserably half the time, it's interesting to see the successes and uh, the ratio between uh, failures and successes. And what's great about Harper and her gay brother is that his lifestyle choice also lends itself to developing her character because I, I remember that he was beat up several times, which again goes back to that those real-world situations that people, I mean, gay bashing is a very real and very unfortunate thing that happens. And she goes and protects him, and I think that lends itself to showing how strong of a character that Harper is, which I hope uh, continues to be developed when we, when we continue to see her later. Okay. My other one, I'm sort of saying, I guess, the best slash worst for last. Uh, my other one is my other top favorite, uh, and this is non-romantic, but Batman and Robin. Aww. I saved it very separate from the Bat-centric books because it's just very different. Batman and Robin, the Bruce and Damien relationship. And I remember on the five-year special, you know, I said that being a female on the comic cast, I feel like I'm more sensitive to different things because out of all the males that were on the cast, I remember really holding out uh, the most for this because while uh, Dustin, Don, and Joe were sort of getting annoyed at this angsty feel that, you know, they keep fighting. Why aren't they going to move on, you know, by issue six? I thought that it was uh, very realistic that they would have this sort of strained relationship and it's not going to clear up and be sunshine, rainbows, and little unicorns running around right away. Uh, So I loved the development. I thought that it was very realistic. And it was just – it was tough for Bruce to open up and and talk to his son. And Alfred was really the only one there to lend any sort of clue of what was going on. And even begrudgingly, like an issue – maybe it was four or so, he says, good job you know on patrol tonight uh but it really all i think comes to a head with this nobody because at first 
you know, he is just not talking to him, telling him what his relationship is to nobody. Then Damien takes it into his own hands. And once Bruce finds out what has happened and, and Damien's basically being beaten to death, all coming down, crashing, and he's doing this audio tape about everything really opening up and, and really saying I love you without actually saying those words. And he saves him. And this is sort of the catalyst to a, a better relationship. And so... The owls, when he was missing, uh, Damien said that he was looking for him everywhere, and he stayed by his bedside while he was recuperating. Um, so it really started off from this tough thing that may have been hard for people to read, uh, but I loved it just with how tough it was to get through the barrier that they just could not communicate with each other, and then just being put to the test. And I think that's how a lot of things happen, is that when, when you feel like it's it's all going away, that you realize you, you need to change. And so then it happens and now you know there is really love and and admiration and respect and i think we continue to see that with this uh death of the family storyline so one of my my favorite non-romantic relationships bruce and damien i just love how it's been developing i love the bruce and damien thing um i have no problem saying that i wanted it to move on faster than it did but uh, ultimately, I think the payoff was worth the wait because now we actually see a father-son relationship, which, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say that we've never seen that before because in some regards we've seen that with Bruce and Dick and Bruce and Tim and even Bruce and Jason. So, I mean, like, but this is a whole different thing because it's his biological son. And, in, you know, we've seen Bruce, you know, put his, his uh, or give his opinions of, you know, caring for his sidekicks before about, you know, th- you know, their, their, their health and safety. But the thing is, he's actually, it seems as if he's almost even more protective of Damien because it's actually his own son. You know, how many times have we seen, and it's not just in Batman and Robin either, it's in other books too, where Batman basically either like, scolds Damien into staying or basically benches him and says, you're going to sit here because what we're, what I'm about to go do is too dangerous. And we've seen that in numerous books. And you, and I don't, I mean, it's not to say that that wouldn't have happened with Dick, Jason, or Tim, but it happens a lot more with Damien because I think Bruce is generally, generally cares about the safety of his son more so than you know his his wards that he's brought on or his his sidekicks so i think the relationship is great and honestly after this whole death of the family situation i'd love to see what happens um when they get back into more of the you know bruce and damien stories that um batman robin has been known for i was looking forward to the relationship between dick and no not dick bruce and damien develop because when Dick and Damien became partners, I thought it was an interesting dynamic, but I really like the idea of Bruce being partnered with the kid Robin again after so long. So when Bruce came back, I was actually hoping that he would take up uh, Damien as his partner, but Batman the Returns, that was, gonna ha- was not going to happen. So when Batman and Robin was relaunched, I liked the idea of them being together. Now that we've had a lot of time to develop it, I know Tomasi has developed the relationship a lot, and I do enjoy the book generally. I really do. It's well written. Um, it's a lot more angst saturated than I imagine would be, but I still like the relationship generally because it shows the the father nature of Batman, which he's had with all of his Robins, and it's developed Damien a, a great deal. I think it's interesting because like Damien was a lot more hostile towards Dick at the beginning, but but I think he's moved over with him 
a lot sooner than he has with Bruce. Whereas with Bruce, he was more willing to work with him, but they've had a lot more of a rough time dealing with each other, which I think is really good, good characterization of all three. And he still doesn't like Tim, which is fun. But um, yeah, this is, this is a really good relationship because it develops Batman and develops Robin in a way where the dynamic duo is such a different dynamic now. It's not just, you know, the billionaire and his adopted son or uh, the neighbor. <laughs> it's, uh, it's father and son. And I think that Damien's story is really... I think since R.I.P., Damien has had a really good story going along with him. Because before then, he was sort of just like a cipher to, for Morris to tell these weird stories. He didn't really develop. But since R.I.P., when he was Robin, he, it's actually been, it's, it, I think it's been like a... I was sort of ambivalent, but I've got, I got over the idea of Tim not being Robin anymore. But now that Damien's been around for a while, they've really made good on his story arc. And Batman and Robin's helped develop that relationship that he's had to, he has to have through. He has to have with Bruce. So, um... I've been moderate, generally impressed with it. I do wish they would like. There was a rut where every issue they would be like, like making up, and the next issue they would be yelling at each other. Then the next issue they would be making up. And Dustin and I have talked about this, where it seems like they always like you know two steps forward, one step back. And after a while in fiction, you can't really rely on that trope anymore. So, so I'm interested in the fallout of Death of the Family to see where it goes from here. Yeah, I think that the the Bruce Damien relationship is is probably one of the better ones in in all the books right now. And this is coming from a guy who doesn't who didn't really like Damien as a character when he was first introduced. Um, I don't hate Grant Morrison, but I don't I don't love him either. But so I, they've really grown on me in the New Fifty Two, and there was a lot at first rehashing. But I think that if if you had a son and you met him so far down the line, and with so many other outside forces being in play, I think the relationship would be strained. You know, I, I don't think it would be a, a normal good relationship, and I think they've built that relationship realistically, and that's led to good stories. This was a relationship that, like Stella, I I really love this. I love seeing the interaction between um, Bruce and Damien, particularly now, because when they first rebooted, I was really disappointed. I thought, you know, we went from having such a really wonderful, carefree, happy Damien, not carefree and happy Damien, but happier than he was being portrayed and then reading the first issues again in hindsight with the story that happens later on to kind of give me a bit more context yeah he had just dealt with his father coming back from the dead he had dealt with a father who was kind of distant towards him because that's all he really knew how to be and it would make for a strained relationship so once I had the proper context with which to view it I thought okay this relationship makes more sense to me. And as it's developed along, I think this is one of the best familial relationships in in the entire DCU. It's one that I consistently enjoy. It, even if I don't necessarily like what they're doing to each other or how they're behaving towards each other, I always think that the interactions are real. Um, and I think that's something... Peter Tomasi does really well. It's something he's done well in most of his titles is the interactions between Bat family members. And so I think he's really shining on that in this book. Okay. Positive overall. Oh, boy. Last but certainly not least, we've got uh, Catwoman. She's sexy. She's going to do sexy things. She's going to steal sexy things. She's just sexy. 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 Yeah.
shippers out there. I know there are shippers out there. Yeah. Shipper. 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 I know there are shippers out there. You know, Batman and Catwoman, this is wildly different, I guess, from sort of the, the tangle of will they, won't they, that I think we've all been used to. And Ed mentioned Batman Hush before. And I think this is sort of almost the pivotal Batman-Catwoman relationship, the, the one that you really want to see and just gaining each other's trust and, and almost working side by side. So to see them actually make Whoopi for reals uh, was actually a little, ooh, it was a little disconcerting uh, because you just never thought that they would actually sort of cross that line, I guess, and right there and just not romantic at all. But number six, issue number six was actually one that I really had a tough time with because uh, if you remember, she had to steal some money. I don't remember exactly everything that she had to do. Oh, it was because her friend was, you know, kidnapped and everything. But he goes after her and it's very violent and he's yelling at her and telling her to give the money back and says, what are you doing? Do you want to die? And she says, well, maybe I do. And then he like lets her go because he was basically squeezing her arms very tightly and he just walks away. And I thought that this was horrible because the Batman that I know would have asked her why do you need the money what is going on and would have been there to help her and he's just yelling at her and being very violent and then he walks away from her so to go from you know 100 miles per hour in issues one and two and then to this in issue six and of course we haven't seen them at all uh is a vast departure i think from the pre-new 52 that we saw where i really loved that relationship loved it in batman the animated series those are some of my favorite episodes so it's kind of a sad a sad end uh for me to to leave it off with catwoman here's the thing <laughs> i there like physical attraction is a i think one of the real primary motivating factors in batman catwoman's relationship i mean it just is like that's that's the that's sort of like I think at a certain point, you can't really ignore that. I mean, I remember uh, the BTAS episode almost got him, where, like, at the very end, yeah. um, you know, she says, oh, well, you know, you, I think you there's more to you, us than, you know, you saving my life. And she hears something, looks away, and he does the whole disappearing. And she's like, almost got him. Like, what else would she be talking about? But, like, I mean, so I don't really have a problem with that at all. I, I kind of had to reexamine my, my personal feelings on the original issues of Catwoman. I mean, I mean, the initial issues of Catwoman, and overall, like the way they, the, the, in terms of the story and plot, it wasn't so much it was bad. It was actually probably, probably in character to some degree, but the way it was done was so sleazy that I was really just annoyed. And I, I'm still not over over Joe Winnick's run on that title. So there's some truth in that. I don't I don't like the fact that Batman basically acts like you know. Somebody who doesn't use his head or doesn't really think well when he's up against Catwoman these days. I think typically he's shown to have more sympathy towards her and wants to redeem her. That's traditionally that's traditionally is the other half of the uh, relationship. But lately, I mean, with the New Fifty Two story, it was just sort of, he was sort of like a slave to his hormones, and I don't like that at all. And um, Catwoman herself isn't shown to be very smart. So because we are talking about like the current uh, title. Um, I do like the fact that she does think of him more than she cares to admit. That was done during Death of the Family. So I am interested generally in how they're going to portray the relationship because it is one of those classic relationships. But so far, in terms of how they revise the relationship, it's not my cup of tea because they kind of changed the characters to do that. Don't you think you can have physical attraction without it leading to having sex right there on the page, though? 
Because I agree with... Well, the, 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 the problem with that is we don't know how long the physical attraction... Because pro- this, this is the whole problem with the New 52. The whole problem is we don't know how long it's been leading up to. We don't know if... Like, Catwoman started off and it was like, bam. Batman sees Catwoman, next thing you know they're having sex. So we, we're left to wonder, okay, is this how it always is? Or is this something that has... Has, has it been leading to this over a long period of time? Or is this just, you know, some random uh, moment of passion that just had to happen right then and there? We have no idea. The dialogue does not explain it. Well, no, actually, she says that they always do this. And, like, he said, like, not again. And then, like, she says, okay, again. And, like, she says, like, it always ends ends up this way. Right. It always ends up this way. So it's led to us. So it leads us to believe that it has happened before. But then... You know, four, four four more issues after that, issue number six, he's basically flipping out at her because of what she's doing, but he knows what she does. He just, you know, the, the whole the whole thing with them in the new fifty two, it absolutely sucks, because she is pretty much a little bit more on the the darker side of the black and white scale than she was before the New 52, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but for whatever reason, because they've decided to do that, they have basically taken the relationship between her and Batman and basically made it to be this nothing but, you know, it's nothing but a sex thing. And that's how that's how I saw it in the first two issues, was basically, you know, this is just what they do because, you know, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's it's hard to describe. It's just that's what they do. That's 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 their thing. That's that's how they get the. Well, rest. you know what it is. What? It's like Batman lets her get away with like crime in exchange for sex. That, that that's out of character. I don't really mind them hooking up, but like him doing that is like ridiculous. Well, it's a question of backstory. Like we said, we if if we took all the other events in continuity that have been major events, and we knew they'd all happen, then we know they have this long history together. And them doing stuff out of character when it comes to each other isn't really that foreign. I mean, in, nor is it foreign to do something that's just in a Batman comic book. I mean, let's face it. With, if they really have some kind of torrid love affair that's lasted five, six, seven years, I mean, you do stupid stuff when you're, when, you're, when you're in love with somebody. You let them get away with things you would never let anybody else in the world get away with. I don't have that problem with that. I have a problem that we're not shown that they have any type of real relationship. That she, she gets all the benefits of being Batwoman's primary love interest, but she doesn't actually have to be it. What? So, you know. I, I think you meant to say Batman there. What did I say? <laughs> you said Batwoman. <laughs> <laughs> she gets all the benefits. <laughs> Freudian's, oh, Lord. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm pretty sure everyone got what you meant, but it was just funny. <laughs> they liked what they heard. Yes, well, I mean, or that too. Maybe in a couple of years we'll be discussing that very point. But uh, no, but I mean, you guys know what I'm saying. I mean, she she gets all the benefits, and that's fine. In the past, I, I never had a problem with it because he was in love with her, and like I said, you do dumb stuff when you're in love with somebody. But we, I don't see that there's any type of romantic relationship there now, except a purely physical one, which simply isn't the case when you look at source material like Long Halloween, Hush, or Heart of Hush. It's just that's yeah. not their relationship. Even even in Hush, there was a big lead up of like years and years of history to them. I mean, at least in post crisis, post crisis is, is, is what it's talking about. Like you know, it, just them kissing that was a big deal. 
that was a really big deal. And like something as simple as that, simple as that, relied on the history for it to be to matter. And like on the first issue, is establishing their history then, but the fact that it's establishing history that we still don't know about is actually like setting up a problem and not, and not fixing it. So I I, I I agree. No, I don't think so. I don't think they have to do anything. To me, the the whole thing relationship between the two has always been that whole thing of Batman. Yeah, Batman's attracted to Catwoman and Catwoman's attracted to Batman. But Batman's not going to take the relationship any further because ultimately she's... Well, she has moments of being good and she's kind of morally ambiguous. She's still not... She's still areas of grey and Batman can't have that and can't feel that because ultimately he's going to have to keep arresting her and so he can't take it further and that's what made their relationship interesting was that there was this flirting and this attraction and you you kind of you were built up and you were think you kept thinking oh they're, they're, they're going to go somewhere it's going to go somewhere it's going to go somewhere come on it's got to go somewhere and then there was always the moment of it stopping and hitting the wall and you kind of go yeah, that makes that makes sense. I get why the, you know there's there's no way Batman could be with Catwoman unless she makes a hundred and eighty degree turn and becomes good. And that's that's what makes it interesting. If they're just having sex on a rooftop all the time, well, yay for them. But it's not. It's not. It's not. I don't. That's not their relationship. It's not. Char- you know. I don't feel the same excitement or interest in the relationship it's just sex on a rooftop well given the characterization that they've given bruce in the new 52 i really don't think well i agree that the sex in exchange for getting away with crimes is out of character him having sex with a random bimbo on a rooftop not that out of character that's kind of a thing he seems to be into doing i think this relationship in the new 52 is one that's suffering not necessarily, in part because of the way it is being written in this book, but also in part because, like we've said with some of the other ones, he's banging five different women. He's not... We can't buy a commitment to Catwoman when he is sleeping with other people at the same time. Right. As I said, that's why I think, you know, someone in editorial should step in and and help pin out his love interest because it's something we hit on earlier. It's extremely difficult to take any relationship, physical or not, seriously if there's six of them, five of them going on at the same time. I mean his relationship with Damien wouldn't be unique if he had six kids in six different books, all with a different name. You know? does. <laughs> I mean, but you know what I'm saying? It wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be special if he'd had a kid with Talia in one book and Catwoman in one book and, and Charlotte in a book. and It, it, it wouldn't have any kind of you know, oomph to it. Oh, just wait. I guarantee you, give it a couple of years, suddenly Selena's going to get pregnant with Bruce's kid, and that'll be a whole, like, year-long story. Well, I think Melinda hit up on a good point. Like, I don't know why, and I brought this up before, I'm not sure why they gave Batman all these all these freaking love interests, because is anybody really demanding for that? I mean, does, do people's favorite Batman stories involve a love interest? To me, it, it goes back to what I was saying, like, them trying to affirm his masculinity is, you know, being like the James Bond type type of Batman, but... That's not. I mean, it's, it all does serve as a, a distraction and something that part of the part of the stories we don't really invest ourselves into. 
like I would really like to go to a con and ask them like what the hell was up with like the first several months of the fifty two. Where in like half the books that Batman was solo and he had a girl. It's like I don't understand. I mean, I I, I know they would probably say, well, he's a playboy, of course, but like. Really, I mean, if you're pretending like, as though he actually has any feelings towards him, like 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 uh, the the Russian chick and the Russian chick and the Indian girl, and um and the and the reporter. It's like you know, he, he's taking them places and everything. Like you're investing time and space into developing this relationship. Well, we really know that he doesn't care. <laughs> so it's it's a real question of like where their where their heads are at, and even wasting time with these certain things. Whereas you know we have relationships like Catwoman, which we would be interested in, but it doesn't hold any water because he, he has distractions in other places. But, but, but I know I know you, you sort of say it mockingly, but that, he is that, but that's his character. He is a, a playboy, and and yeah, he doesn't feel anything for these women. But let's face it, you know, does he? he you know, do the women who get together with Hugh, Hugh Hefner? feel anything for Hugh Hefner no they care about his money that's potentially what these women could could be there for is because he's got a stack load of cash and that's why it's always made the relationship with Catwoman much more interesting is because Catwoman it, it, we know that they, they would be a perfect partnership together but he can't be with Catwoman because she's morally amb- ambiguous and and it, it, you know he's she's got to change and that's that. and then we're seeing him with all these different women because they're playboys and everything like that and you know and and it's it's making him it, it, it feels much more like he's kind of having character development and he's he's making it a bit more difficult and he's kind of growing up in a way well not growing up but he's he's having to lead these multiple lives and and doing all these things that's why it's such a shame to see him having sex with Catwoman on the roof because it's not him the thing is, he's a playboy, but in my opinion, the playboy part is that's his, that's part of his mask yeah. as Bruce Wayne. That's not who he is. He's not the playboy exactly. who is actually sleeping around with thousands of women. He, he might sleep around with thousands of women, but he's doing that because that's his mask and he's trying to, you know, keep that identity, you know, as his, you know, keep that identity real. But as Batman, he's not sleeping around with tons of women. You know, he's only been with very few women who have known his identity or even haven't known his identity. But, you know, he was Batman at the time. And I can only think of three off the top of my head, Selina Kyle, Talia al Ghul, and Jezebel Jett more recently. Those are the only three that I can think of right away that he that actually knew who he was. Or not, not necessarily knew that he was Bruce Wayne, but, you know he as Batman had relations with. Well, even still, like, I think that's another difference between him and Dick Grayson because the Playboy thing is an active, phony aspect of the Bruce Wayne mask towards Gotham City, which he puts on. But he doesn't invest all that much into it, just like just like his company. Like, he doesn't really... Like, you know, he'll, he'll fall asleep at board meetings and stuff. He doesn't really start relationships. Even if he has relationships, he, he starts it for the sake of, you know, ending it so he can get a, a reputation as a Playboy. He doesn't really date women so which is why it made the charlotte river thing so confusing it's just it's like even back in morrison's run i think i remember everybody was was questioning why is he with jezebel jet what the heck is the point and like at the end it was said like you know oh, i knew i knew she was a villain the entire time and it was stupid but it made it made perfect sense because that's the character he doesn't he's not going to waste time being in a relationship with a random supermodel that he knows won't last because they don't know he's batman dick grayson might but like bruce wayne 
he, that's not where his priorities are. So like, again, and we're supposed to be talking about Catwoman, but like, it's a problem with you know having. That's why, in comparison, Hush and Heart of Hush especially really works because he didn't have those balls and chains of these random characters who we, who you would forget about in twelve months time to weigh down the effect of him saying to Selena, "I love you" or whatever, or to tell you either. Well, isn't the, this just kind of like speak to the, the the writing in the Catwoman book being being lazy for the entire first part of the run? I mean, it, it is it is much more difficult and much more satisfying to build a, a relationship where there is. I know we've talked about Hush a lot, but that that kiss scene in Hush where you're building up to something, that you're making a relationship that matters, you're making something that's interesting to read. The sex on the rooftop thing is just a lazy way of saying, "Hey, look, they have sex together," you know. Yeah, I mean those. If that was for pages and pages too, it's like you know the pages of him kissing her neck and like her digging in his pants. <laughs> it's just like that was that was it was like you know you could have ended with one page and that would have been annoying. But like the fact that they lingered on with it, it was like dying another day. It's like you know we get the idea. We don't really need to see how it goes down. Well, too remember, didn't you? And this is the last point I'll drone on about. But you know, remember when it used to be where Batman just acted like he was sleeping with half the women in the city. Like, yeah, like remember, remember, remember year one. I mean, Gordon comes in. He's got the girl next to him. He makes the whole joke. Oh, I don't. She doesn't speak English. And then as soon as Gordon gone, is gone, he pours up the champagne and sends her on his way. He doesn't sleep with her. It's exactly. an act. He's busy. He's got other stuff to do. That's my problem with the way it's portrayed. I mean, there was even a story where all these women like got together at a party and like realized that none of them actually hooked up with them. Yeah, that, that so, was what, yeah exactly. That's what I liked about the character was because that is an act from. And now all of a sudden he's taken the act of having to act like a playboy, and now he's having to have a bunch of relationships. It doesn't – it just doesn't translate well. Yeah, and then that, that, that makes the relationship with Talia, that Sire Damien, that makes the relationship with Catwoman all that more important because that means more to the character, which is when – going back and forth, you know, it's, 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 a, it's, a, what's a, it's a ring composition. Yeah. It's, like, it's like, you know, that – Otherwise, you can't have you can't have you know none of one and none of the other or all of one and all of the other it doesn't really work. So the last part of this is the future because we just spent a lot of time on the present. We did the past, the future. If you were to pick maybe one or two of the relationships we discussed, or any of them that we did not discuss, which ones do you think have the staying power, uh, and where would you like to see those relationships go? So we can go in order with this, I should think. Okay, so as far as the re- the relationships that are currently happening that I'd like to continue to see, um, I'd like to continue to see, and I believe that I'm only going to list the ones that I want to see and the ones that I believe have staying power. Uh, Katie Maggie, I believe, have great staying power because, honestly, the story is being drawn out over a long period of time. Uh, we're, we're almost 18 issues into the series, and it's still the exact same story from issue number one. Um, so, I mean, that's staying power. I mean, we're, that's, not, that's not to say we're not seeing some sort of uh, progression in the relationship, but that's saying that, you know, this this story has been, it's not like four-issue story arc it, that we've, we've seen in the other books. Uh, the other one would be Bruce and Damien. That relationship is a great relationship I'd love to see continue, and I believe will, um, especially after, I, I think it will be even more focused on more so when we're not seeing um, Batman and Robin have to intertwine with all of these events that keep happening um, that are spawning from Scott Snyder's run on Batman. Um, as far as every other one, um, 
the only other one that I'd be interested in seeing more but we haven't seen would be Barbara Gordon and Commissioner Gordon. Um, that needs to be hashed out, and we need to see more of that, but we haven't. Even even with this entire uh, death of the family storyline, there's been the ability to have more of that, but we haven't seen it because instead we've been focusing on the mother, which is, in my opinion, completely pointless. Birds of Prey, I like the team element, but... Uh, I have I don't really have any kind of predictions or uh, as far as the staying power because the team keeps having this revolving door and Katana leaving the team, Poison Ivy leaving the team, and this new talent coming on board and it's just it's it's I don't really understand it. I, I it's going to have to figure out a way to get a solid roster in order for it to actually work out. But I think that would be the other one that I would be interested in. Kate and Maggie for the for the win. Uh, Bruce and Damien, I, I, I actually want to. I'm actually interested to see if that's going to go new places. Um, I want to see something with uh, Dick and Babs, to be honest, because that would actually add a lot more dimension that would that that the Batgirl title title desperately needs, and that I mean title desperately needs. Like I would honestly, you know, because we've seen Barbara interact with uh, Raya, which was odd, but like I mean. Uh, I w- what if Barbara had a had a boyfriend and Dick would you know be feeling jealous or something like that? I mean, I kind of want to see that develop in some way because they kind of ignore each other, except for like you know brief cameos in the each other's books. And I understand you don't want to pull the trigger on that because it's a very easy relationship to do want to to go to towards. But you know, it's I think I think at, at some point it's too interesting now that they've established with issue three that there was sort of sort of feelings. That you can't really ignore it for long to the point where I think you, this, the, both titles and characters could use uh, some saltening of their relationship. I would like to see some growth and some expansion in the Batman Catwoman relationship. I'm not a huge fan of it, but I recognize it's one of the oldest ones that exists. So I, if they're going to play off it and use it, use it properly. Obviously, I want to see more. Uh, Bruce and Damien, and I think I'm the only one that wants to see more of Dick and Sonya Branch, but I wouldn't mind seeing more of that. Um, other than that, I think Maggie and Kate will last. I think everybody thinks that, because I think they're going to handle that relationship very carefully and very well. So, Yeah, definitely will uh, third or... Fourth, I guess, the Maggie and Kate relationship. Bruce and Damien, uh, I think this is going to be coming up to uh, or hitting a very uh, important and pivotal head, um, especially because this death of the family storyline. Just they've both been shaken up. So how is this going to end up? The Birds of Prey, I'm very concerned. Just it, it seems more of a hodgepodge than it was originally and how is Talon going to be able to to work her way into this team for the Batman books you know I would be completely fine with him not being with anyone to be honest I think that would be fine Nightwing I just want to see him have some friends friends with no romantic interest I think that would be great Batgirl I want to see her with her dad more and Babs or well Batgirl and McKenna that seems to be developing I hope that it develops more and McKenna doesn't become just a a throwaway character because I've sort of had a turnaround I guess like uh, Don has had for Alicia but you can throw Alicia and um, 
Babs in your way, that's that's completely fine with me. Catwoman, I think she needs to be on her own for a while as well uh, because we saw her with, uh, what was his name, Spark, I think. And then now she's got this stoolie that she was kind of making out with. I can only imagine if she's going to get together with the detective that she's got, Alvarez, uh, over in that book. I think she needs to be on her own for a while and develop that character. With She doesn't need someone uh, to help develop her. I think she can be by herself. Uh, but finally, I actually really want just the development of the Bat family uh, to move forward because it seems like it, it takes a disaster for them to get all together because we don't really see them together until there's Court of the Owls or Death of the Family. And uh, this is a great uh, family that really interacted a lot in the pre-New 52, and I think we haven't seen that as much. So it would be great to see them. And of course, Stick and Babs, I would love that. And I would like it if she got her hair back and burned it and said, please forget that I ever gave that to you. That would be wonderful. Oh, got the hair. <laughs> it's like, I can't. I sleep with it every night. On my pillow. Um, I, I pretty much second everybody else um, with the Batwoman relationship. Um, I think that's, you know, really got legs. Um, and no, Melinda, you're not the only one who wants to see Sonia's relationship with Dick continue. I think it could be very interesting if they give it the right kind of writing. Speak up, I can't hear you. Creeper. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh I just mean spirited. Um <laughs> Okay. Um I would like to see, you know, the, the Batwoman relationship continue, obviously. And Bruce and Damien's relationship. I would really like to see a better relationship between Barbara and Commissioner Gordon. Um, I want to see a lot more interaction between between them. And I would like to see the continuation of the Tali Al Ghul relationship, see where it goes. And uh, that's really the ones that, that I think have staying power, the ones we talked about. The rest of them, were, were to me, were just kind of here today, gone tomorrow type relationships. Well, it's been, you know, a little over two hours, and we've had romantic discussions all over the place. I think perhaps if you're not one of those people with a larger heart, you may have thrown up a little bit because of all the love that went around. Kiss, kiss. I'm in love. Remember that? Uran High School? (laughs) But you know what? First of all, I have to thank Dustin for allowing this because I think it probably went against his better judgment and he was really putting himself out there. So thank you to him. And thank you also uh, to all of my my co-hosts here because without you, it wouldn't have happened. And you just added so much, I think, to this discussion. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, and with that, we are going to remind you to check over on the website for all the other podcasts that we have to feature on the Batman Universe, including a new podcast that is up there now called The Batman Universe Taking Flight, um, which you will be able to check out as you're listening to this on the podcast as well. In addition, you can email us with any questions, comments, or ideas for future specials at podcast at thebatmanuniverse.net. And you can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube for all the latest news, updates, and videos from the Batman universe. That is everything for this episode. This is Dustin. This is Donovan. This is Melinda. This is Stella. This is John. And this is Ed. You've been listening to the Batman universe specials. We'll see you guys next time. Good night. Sleep tight. Ship on. Happy Valentine's Day. 
kiss, kiss, fall in love. <laughs> I hate Valentine's Day. Kiss, kiss, fall in love. I apologize for dragging this out. Yeah. I don't think you need to apologize now. I think you need to apologize when you actually draw it out. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, Dustin. <laughs> Never mind. That's right. I had to edit the uh, comic cast. Uh oh. Recorded and the final thing I remember is Stella saying Don's gonna get fired. So that's just sticking in my head. <laughs> well, cause he called you a bad bird. Yeah, I know. I, I, I didn't do that. What word was that? I don't know. You called me an ass. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <sighs> it, was, it, was, it was a different time back then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah I was, I, go ahead. No, you go. Uh, okay, okay, quick. Um, we always do this. My final one, least. <laughs> but certainly not. <laughs> Batman and Catwoman, you know? Issue one and two. Had panels that uh, launched. Well, scar me forever. Er- yeah, they launched a thousand erections, and. Uh- oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, so much for being. Oh, just kidding. <laughs> I'll edit that out. Um, there you go. But- Batman basically acts like a bitch. To- <laughs> I don't know. But that's, I think. Sorry, I've just dropped my microphone. Um, <laughs> so, so in the moment. Um. Any other right. thoughts on that? <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> you done? I am done. Well, my, my son just entered the room, so I can't talk. Right now. <laughs> okay. okay. For this episode image, could it be of the Grinch? The Grinch, and you know how you see the, and he's holding an X-ray, and the X-ray shows his heart. But Grinch where the heart is, you put. Yeah, but 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 where the heart is, you put, you know, like the TV is special. Sure. Okay. I will let. If you can do it, that's fine. Oh, okay. This is like I need a cigarette. <laughs> Actually, that's exactly what I. Think. What? What? Agreed. That you need a cigarette? Huh? Yeah. What I does that mean? You know, the funny thing is, I actually have I have one of those electronic cigarettes that I had to pull out in the middle of the last comic cast that I did, just so that I could make it through the rest of that comic.